Yeah, old disc jockey habits die hard. <laughs> yep, you would be the Steve. I guess that makes me the Johnny. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yes. Uh, and it was a little freaky on Facebook. Well, actually, I don't know that everybody would see this because this was on your private page. You posted something I'll on your private on, page. I'll put it on the Stephen Johnny Show page because it was this week, 1975, your picture at the top of the Silver Dollar Survey and the songs Kung Fu Fighting was... Everybody was. <laughs> Kung Fu Fighting. Now that'll be stuck in your head. The songs were just... It was a crazy, wonderful mix of songs. I think Harry Chapin yes. was on that survey. Commodores. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go through it later on tonight, and I'll post it on the Stephen Johnny Show page. Okay. You all can get to us at 312-981-7200. We have a big show planned tonight, making up for all those little shows that we've been doing. Yeah, when's the last time we did a full show? Probably the first time we did a show. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> on January 7th. And we should mention that this time next week, you will not be hearing us because there's a Blackhawks game, but we have a short show next week, and we're taking you on the road with us. Yes. We are, uh, when we wrap up tonight, we're uh, catching an early morning flight down to uh, the Florida Panhandle, so. and uh, next week we'll be broadcasting from a really, really neat studio in Lynn Haven, Florida. Yeah, yeah, so get your bathing suit ready. We're going on spring break. (laughs) You know, it actually feels a little bit like spring tonight. It was great. 40 degrees as we were driving in on Lakeshore Drive. Crazy after one this time last night. It still felt kind of cold to me. Yeah, I know. You're such a frail guy. I know you'll give me frail in just yeah. a minute if I don't hush up. You're going to enjoy the long walk home tonight. Uh, yes. Uh, we have a full house here tonight. We have, as we like to say, the keeper of the big plug. He without whom you would not be hearing us. This is true. And if we're not good, if we don't feed him, then he could always pull the plug on us. He would be your Dan Long. How hey, are Dan? you, Dan? Hey, I'm good. I'm here. I'm <laughs> taken care of. The big plug is in the wall. <laughs> Good, good. Everything is okay. Of course, we needed Dan desperately when we walked in tonight because we said, what? what? Things are unplugged. You know, if, if I didn't know better, I would think someone is in this studio during the week when we're not here. That's We had... Baffles me. Uh, how many, Dan? Were there three One, or two. four computers unplugged? Yeah, there were a couple, few monitors off. There were no... Things were not sourced uh, without getting too inside baseball. Sometimes you just walk in here and the place is in complete disarray for whatever reason. <laughs> I'm blaming it all on Bob Surratt. <laughs> we all agree, yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> also, on the other side of the glass, it is Andrew B. Harris. He is uh, the producer of the show. So he's got a lot of clout, too. I'm realizing as I'm talking, you know, these and guys got a lot of clout. if you go to our Facebook page, and let me dig it up and give you the correct address, uh, and that would be facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny Show, you will see a picture of Andrew B. Harris along with Johnny as uh, mm-hmm. he was going over a book for uh, uh, some of the guests we're going to be talking with later tonight. Yes, this is true. So, Andrew, you're good for a long show, a full show? You ready for it? <laughs> he's still he's debating. 
<laughs> also in the newsroom, Ron Brown is in the newsroom with Gabe Salgado. Now, Ron, you're with us until... Mm, 11.30. 11.30. 11.30. Okay. And then he has to get home before he turns into a pumpkin. That's the way it works, yeah. Yes. You, you know, I do have uh, some of those uh, surveys from WLS with Steve King on them. Do you really? I saved those, <laughs> and I'm not really sure why, but I still have them. Uh, I mean, I don't know why I saved them. I know why I still have them, because I like them. So I'm, maybe I'll, I'll bring them in sometime and maybe get an autograph, if that would be okay. Oh, yeah, because you can go to record shows. They sell for $5 each, but if Steve sells, uh, signs them, they sell for $10 each. I and didn't I, know that, right? Yes. That, that was funny. I was at, This was years ago. We were at a record show, and this guy had a bunch of surveys, and he said, would you sign this? And I said, sure, fine. He, signed a bunch of surveys, and he was jacking up the price. I mean, he turned I around and changed. Away, he, he flipped oh, the card okay, on his fine. price. I <laughs> promise not. Not to sell them, I promise. It's <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> it's for my own. I'll put it up on the wall. I just think that would be very cool. Oh. By the way, I, I have to ask you, let me go in the Wayback Machine with you, Ron, about um, about a week or so ago. You posted on Facebook. You said, I am so happy. <laughs> That's true. I'm just, it was just a general statement. I'm just very, uh, very happy. And sometimes I put it out there to counter all the negativity uh, that's on Facebook. And I just want to let people know. And I got a lot of responses from that. And people are like, well, yeah, that's it. It's like, it's good to hear that somebody's yeah. mm-hmm. very happy. It's just a general statement. I mean, I like my life. I like my job. I, I like my friends. So you could, you wake up in the morning, you can make a fist. I mean, that's all good, right? I, I, I get uh, bakery goods when I come to work. So. <laughs> It's all good. <laughs> I'm no dummy. I walked around and distributed bakery goods yep. at the top of the show. Yep. Uh, by the way, I'm told by a listener that we did a, a full show on the 14th of January. I think I was ready to slip into the throes of shingles. I don't remember yeah. much on the 14th yeah. of January, so forgive me for that. But not surprisingly, uh, our listeners know more about our lives than we do. So, yes, yes. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, you guys. Sit tight because we're going to come back and uh, do a little more round robin. Yeah. Okay. So, stay with us at WGN. That's a great track, Andrew. What is that? I I love love that. That That is in a sentimental mood by Duke Ellington and John Coltrane. Very nice. Yeah. Very, very nice. It's It's funny you should play that because we were earlier this week, we were trying to find. Uh, an album that Ellington did as the soundtrack for Anatomy of a Murder. And it had that kind of vibe to a lot mm-hmm. of the songs. Really nice stuff, Andrew. Appreciate it. That's a- okay. Dan, best thing that yes. happened in Dan's week, the first few days of February. Uh, well, this is going to sound weird, but it started when, I don't know if you if this was on your radar, but there was a guitarist uh, for the band Television, a guy named Tom Verlaine. Yeah, yeah. He died last week. That's yeah. right. Um, but that sort of led me to rediscover their music a little bit, oh, which okay. I bought their first album, Marquee Moon, which is the one that most people know. Uh, I bought it probably 15 years ago. and then. But sometimes things just... You like yeah. it, but it just falls off your radar. Yeah. Uh, but that sort of gave me an excuse to rediscover some stuff from them that I had never, like, I hadn't heard before, and I was like, "Wow, this stuff is really good." A lot of like, just the tone he gets on some of that, mm-hmm. some yeah. of those guitar licks, and the back and forth between him and Richard Lloyd, the other guitarist, and uh, you don't think of that sort of soaring kind of guitar playing from guys who helped build the stage at CBGB, you know, from yeah. that yeah. guys from that scene. So it was it was nice to kind of re 
discover some music I had totally forgotten about. And you actually knew where to find it in your house. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's always a victory when you yep, go, yeah. exactly. Wow. Was it vinyl or CD? Uh, this was CD. CD. This is before yeah. the big vinyl comeback. Stuff right. was still hard to find <laughs> right. on vinyl in those days. <laughs> okay. Uh, Andrew B., what was the high point of your week? I got to say that uh, earlier this week, uh, I actually had the opportunity to, I don't want to say live out a dream, but start uh, start a new opportunity. Uh, I had the opportunity to start a new opportunity. Cool. All right. English. <laughs> uh, I had the chance to record he, uh, here uh, for a commercial that'll be, I don't know, airing sometime. Cool. So, but uh, I went, go, having gone to school for uh, uh, as a voiceover minor, it was nice to actually finally start that journey uh, awesome. in my professional life. Good, oh, very good, cool. Good. What, what, what's the commercial? It's for oh, um, Tony Award winning. Oh, the, the, the musical Once is coming February 16th. Nice. Okay, so be, li- be listening, and when you hear yeah. it, that's, that's, that's Andrew, Andrew B. B. Harris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Ron Brown, you were happy? So what was like a, a high point of the week? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Just on a whim, I rewatched Game 6 of the uh, National League Championship Series 2016, oh. the Cubs against the Dodgers. Oh, really? Yeah. What a great game. Yeah. I just I could not tear myself away from it, and I've just been beaming ever since. That was a great team and a great game. What inspired you to go back to that? Well, it's a, we're only a couple of weeks away from spring training, okay. believe yes. it or not. Yeah. So yeah. Are, are you doing the same thing that I'm doing? I'm searching all over the place. I want to find the uh, spring training broadcasts. Yeah, it's uh, the, the dates are kind of like up in the air because it's, it falls at the same time of the World Baseball Classic. So some of the players are going to be playing in the World Baseball Classic or Classic and not in spring training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so some teams are holding off that, uh, you know, they're starting their spring training. So it's, it's, it's kind of a mixed match uh, right now. So I just know it's in a couple of weeks. I don't have a specific date for you. I think the first Sox game is February 25th. The day we get back to uh, mm-hmm. to Chicago, yeah. That's right. And one of the things that made our week was seeing that Jason and Stoney were re-signed to do the Sox broadcasts on TV. Mm-hmm. Yes! 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 There you go. They're a good team. Mm-hmm. Mm. And one of the best things that happened for me this week was we took the Christmas tree down. <laughs> Stop laughing. That was one of the best things? <laughs> it was truly good. Because there was a part of us that said, you know, if we just close the drapes, no one will know it's there while we're gone. Because we, we loved having it. But as I said, when we leave today, we go home, catching a big bird. We don't want to come back and see the Christmas yeah. tree still here three weeks from now. Right. That's fair. So. Yeah. And when it was cold and blustery, it was just, it was still very nice to sit around the tree and just enjoy how gorgeous it was but let me tell you taking 2,000 lights off a tree is a job (laughs) 2,000 lights it was a pile of lights and people think I'm crazy when I say I don't reuse the lights the next year I can't bring myself to do that because once I weave them in and out of a seven-foot tree if a string goes out you don't want to be it always does anytime we have reused lights yeah one string will go out. So I start fresh every year. So I looked at that pile and I said, you know, I'll save these and use them outside so the squirrels can eat them. Because that's what the squirrels enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> but if you've still got your Christmas lights up, uh, go More for it. to you. Yeah. 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 We just didn't want to come back and it's almost uh, St. Patrick's Day and, yeah. and the tree was still up. So that was a, that was a victory for me. 
And uh, we're going to be segueing to the uh, to the Valentine's Day tree in Florida. Yes, I've got the Valentine tree uh, here too mm-hmm. because I, I couldn't just leave everything in a box. And I've got a suitcase of Valentine decorations going with me to Florida, which I know is insane, but it makes me happy. So Steve goes along with me. And sure, I, that, I applaud all your decorations. Then, how many years we first moved to uh, the house we live in now? Back in about 1987. Right. And that started, was about the time we started doing the year-round decorations. Right. In fact, I will put up pictures of the, uh, the Valentine tree, mm-hmm. because then I could justify the fact that I spent the afternoon decorating sure. the darn thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't be here to enjoy it, but I can share it with everybody else that way. <laughs> and as I always say, thank you to the WGN listeners Eighty percent of the decorations yeah. on all of the trees were made by our listeners. Really, eighty percent wow. easily. They were embroidered. They were needle pointed. They were beaded. They were blown glass, ceramics. You wouldn't believe it. As I'm putting them up, I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh!" And in my world, I always appreciate something when it was a handmade yeah. gift. Yeah, that's just absolutely. In fact, I was, I, I was thinking about some of the Valentine's decorations I was putting up, and listeners, W. I and D listeners mm-hmm. sent us wedding presents with these things that sure. I saved as ornaments, and that was oh my gosh! And do you remember one of the uh, most beautiful ornaments? It was a Ukrainian egg. Egg, mm-hmm. just absolutely a yeah. handmade, yeah. colored, decorated. Uh, yeah, Ukraine. I know, just wonderful it blows me stuff. away so if you are one of those people over the years thank you because i probably didn't send you an appropriate thank you card but i'm getting better at that i really am <laughs> we got a big show tonight dan you're gonna stick around right you're not, I will go, be you're here. not going home i can't okay good <laughs> we're, we're gonna be all over the map tonight yes. we're uh joined by some old friends and some new friends uh, after the news john davis the host of tv's motor week which is the mm-hmm. longest TV automotive broadcast. They've been on now for over 40 years. John's a, a dear friend. He's going to be joining us to talk a little bit about the Chicago Auto Show. Yep. And then we're going to talk to the guys who put together this book, Fleetwood Mac, at the Chess Studios, 1969. It's a wonderful book. It is so good. And this, this was pre uh christine mcvee and all Stevie that stuff Nicks. peter green era yeah this yeah. was you'll love these pictures a young buddy guy oh wow yeah good stuff and then speaking of music the empty pockets are going to be right here in the studio tonight performing nice so we got that coming up and we're going to find out about the highland park theater the renaissance theater you know it closed down we're going to talk to steve sarowitz the guy who bought it Real interesting guys, co-chairman of a company called Wayfair Studios, and they're going to completely redo the theater, Mm -hmm. and I'm really curious about what he's going to be doing with it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So stick around, you guys. We hope you will, and you can always get to us at 312-981-7200, and a shout out to Branson, Missouri, listening to us tonight. Milwaukee, Wisconsin is listening, and someplace in Florida. I'll find it and give you a shout out, too, but thank you for checking in, too. And again, if you go to our Facebook page, you can see a picture of the... uh, the studio with with the the cookies decorating the studio <laughs> and muffins yes yes the cranberry orange muffins but we've got a lot of business to get to tonight so stay with us right here on wgn cruising and play on the radio and a little chuck berry on the radio is always a good thing and mm-hmm. the car songs by chuck berry a great way to introduce a guy that we have known for 
Oh, I don't know how long Decades. it's been, but it's been too long since we've had him on the show. He is the host of TV's Motor Week. Yes, indeed. He's Emmy Award-winning producer, host, and creator of Motor Week, which, by the way, is television's original and longest-running automotive series. He is the one and only John Davis. Hey, John. I can't believe it has been so long I know. since we've had a, I've had a chance to talk with you, you two. Johnny and Steve, it's just great. How are you? And thanks for asking me on. Oh, thank you. It has been over 10 years since we've had yeah. a chance to talk. We you yeah. we found every excuse for decades to get you on the radio because we're fans of MotorWick. We've yeah, been watching absolutely. from the beginning. You, you've been terrific. And it was always one thing or another that just didn't make it happen. And lo and behold, you asked me and I said, you betcha. And so here we are. <laughs> Now, am I right? You didn't forget me, so I appreciate that. We did not. No. Because we, uh, in fact, when we watch you every week, we say it'll be great when we have an excuse to get John on the radio. (laughs) You've been doing Motor Week for over 40 years, is that right? This is 42nd year. And when you really factor in that we did the pilot three years before, it's been what I've been doing for 45 years. Wow. I know we've talked about this before, but I'm going to go here again. When you first did that pilot, did you, in your wildest dreams, ever think that 42 years after the pilot, you would still be doing this and it would be successful and you'd be having a good time? Absolutely not. I I was actually doing, I was executive producer of Wall Street Week with Louis Rukeyser, the the famous financial series. And my boss had said, you know, it's time for you to come up with your own idea. And this was the one I wanted to do. We did the pilot. And we thought, well, you know, if it works, it'll be something fun to do for three or four years. Nobody had really brought automotive uh, magazine to TV in the U.S. And here we are, 42 years later, and we're still going strong. And it's just, it's been a great ride, and thank God it's continuing. And you, you wind up reinventing the wheel, no pun intended. We fell in love with who it was it a 12 year old kid you had on a, a week or two ago oh giuseppe ayatarola and uh, giuseppe had already made he's he's 11 years old i have to set the stage his mm-hmm. father owns a body shop in new jersey and for the last three or four actually for about five years he's been doing youtube videos in his father's shop doing everything from buffing to welding to talking about basic car repair. Uh, he did a series on YouTube uh, for with Popular Mechanics. If you go on YouTube, just search Giuseppe's Garage, and you'll get all of his videos. <laughs> and it turns out he and his dad have been a fan of Motor Week, and we asked him on to do a couple of uh, segments for this season, and we hope to be able to do more with him because he's – a terrific young man, and his parents are great, and he's you've seen him. He's, he's great on camera. He's the camera a natural. He's wonderful. He is absolutely a natural. He and, is a natural. And, and, and what you're seeing is Giuseppe. He's a very, very nice young man. And he was chock full of good advice. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. wow. And you know, it's what he's learned from hanging around his parents. That's cool. And he reads as much as he can and absorbs as much as he can about the automobiles. But to see him 
get into things like welding. I mean, you're you're just amazed at the talent mm-hmm. uh, this uh, young man has. I, I can't call him a kid because he's got talent <laughs> far better than a lot of adults I know. I got to tell you, that's wild. I got to ask you: You are coming to Chicago for the Chicago Auto Show? Absolutely. Uh, I'll be coming in on Wednesday. Thursday is the press day. And on Friday, I'm uh, once again have been asked to uh, co-host the WGN uh, live special from the auto show at seven o'clock uh, your time. Uh, the show opens to the public uh, the next day. They're doing the the first look for charity event on the night of the tenth, uh, and that's when we'll be doing the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next Friday, and then on the eleventh, the show opens to the public and it runs through the twentieth. And it looks like you know the big news is. Because of the pandemic, you know, the show skipped a year, and then they were a smaller show, and they got bigger last year. This year they're back at at McCormick in both the uh, north, I guess it's north and south, both the two big halls that they've been in traditionally. Hmm. Uh, And so it's a real big auto show again this year. Great. And it's from 10 in the morning till 10 at night. And it, as always, takes us all the way up to President's Day. And that's when there's a blizzard in Chicago. There is always a blizzard. You're right. You're right. Absolutely right. (laughs) Always. And and that is one of the many reasons why we wanted to get you on tonight, because we're not going to be here. We're going to be broadcasting from Florida next week doing the show, because timing being everything, we figured... Okay, yeah, yeah it, it's going to be cold, it's going to be awful, so let's get out of town for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, I remember all those nights that, that you would have me on, and we'd be I'd be up there for the auto show, and I'd be walking or mm-hmm. trying to walk from my hotel over to the WGN building, just freezing to death, <laughs> and saying, what am I doing here? You know, why Chicago in February? But uh, it's really become Motor Week's second home, because... We do a lot with the folks at the Chicago Auto Show, including announcing our big awards of the year, our mm-hmm. Driver's Choice Awards. So uh, delighted to be back and delighted to be a part of all of it again. What are you most excited about seeing at this year's auto show? Um, there's, there's a decent amount. You know, auto shows have lost some favor with the automakers. They don't bring as much to the, for the press anymore. But this year at Chicago... There really is some big news. Uh, word is that Subaru is going to be unveiling the new Crosstrek. Uh, that one of their small, they're actually their smallest, but it's an extremely popular vehicle. Uh, Jeep is coming with a new vehicle. We're not quite sure yet what it is. Uh, the Corvette E-Ray, which I have not seen, the hybrid all-wheel drive Corvette is going to be there. Uh, Ram will have their 1500 Revolution, which is their upcoming electric truck. Hmm. Uh, and I tell you something I haven't seen at any auto show that I know of in my entire career. There's going to be an airplane at the Honda exhibit, uh, the Honda Jet, which is being produced in North Carolina. It's the newest business jet. It's going to be on display. So that'll actually be something very special, along with all the rest of the things they do there, including all the driving uh, that you can do indoors and try out all the new vehicles. I would just like to see that airplane being pushed into McCormick Place. That would be a sight because it's going to have to be maneuvered around Lakeshore Drive. That could be a traffic stopper right there. You know, I don't know what they're going to do. Or they've got one that they can, you know, take the wings off and put it back yeah. on or what. I don't know. But wow. you know, it's a sizable airplane. It's it's not some Piper Cub. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a really slick, 
different uh, a jet, corporate mm-hmm. jet. Nice. That, this really is a, a, an incredible time in the automotive world. Uh, did, did you ever, in your in your wildest dreams, think yeah. you would use the phrase a hybrid all-wheel drive Corvette? No, I think if you go back five years, virtually all of us in the media were pretty skeptical skeptical of the what's turning out to be the EV revolution. But every year as we march forward, we're seeing more and more vehicles electrified. The technology has finally gotten so it can be spread all over the place. But really, a hybrid, all-wheel drive Corvette, those two areas of technology have never, never, ever been even in the same paragraph as the word uh, Chevrolet Corvette. And don't uh, you know, so it's, uh, th- there's some purists right now going... next. I mean, every time we think we've seen uh, where technology is leading right now, we get surprised. Don't you know, though, that there are purists, Corvette purists going, oh, yeah. John, we don't even say that now. We <laughs> These are the guys that say you have to have a stick shift. You can't even drive your vet as an automatic. Yeah. You know, they're the real purist. You're absolutely right. And we went through this with the Mustang fans. And yes. there's no one that's more passionate than the Mustang fans. When Ford brought out the Mach-E, their all-electric SUV that they call the Mustang Mach-E, you know, there was a firestorm of criticism. And I have to tell you, we were big doubters as well. But the auto industry has managed to adapt to this new technology. Ford actually, in my opinion, did an incredibly great job of putting the essence of the pony car in this electric vehicle, the Mach-E. And I'm sure the engineers behind the E-Ray will be doing just the same uh, with this Corvette. I haven't driven it yet. I don't know really anyone that has, Mm -hmm. but uh, can't wait to get behind the wheel and it was already one of the best handling and performance cars in the world, and this will probably only make it much better. We're talking with John Davis. He is the guy behind Motor Week, and he's going to be at the auto show next week, and you're going to be able to see him on WGN-TV. Stay with us here on WGN. We're talking with the host of TV's Motor Week. Motor Week has been around now for 42 years and uh, John Davis is going to be in Chicago for the Chicago Auto Show. Starts next weekend. And John, we just recently got a new car, and one of the things that, that we noticed that we have to kind of adapt to mm-hmm. is there's no CD player. <laughs> yeah, so, I, you know what? <laughs> my, my wife just bought uh, a, a, a 2022 because uh, model because it was one of the last with a CD player, and we have racks and racks of CDs. Yeah, I really miss them, and I've you know you can still add one in, but mm-hmm. I think it's really sad. But for all of us that have collected CDs, and I understand the you know younger adults CDs, they don't even know hardly know what they are, but I still love them and I still buy them. So well, the really depressing thing is a number of cars that aren't coming with an AM radio. Yeah. Hello. That's a real yeah, problem. I, I really, they, we've seen that more with some of the European brands yeah. than we have anywhere else. I really think that's short-sighted because when it comes to information, especially traffic and weather, um, you know, every city of any size has an AM station that's on top of that. 
I just don't get that myself, and that's something I also am kind of appalled at. We've had a few cars in with no AM, but not that many, fortunately. I hope it's not a trend. And when there is a major emergency, like the uh, the Boston bombing years ago, right? Uh, when all cell service, all was cell shut service off. is shut off, so Correct. your only source of emergency information was your local AM radio station. Yeah. Absolutely, and then here in uh, the Baltimore area, it's the same thing. Yes, you've got plenty of good FM stations, but when you really want to know what's going on that day, uh, you know the two uh, we have two all news uh, AM stations, and they're the ones that everybody tunes into. Yeah, so. do you remember the the car that you first did a road test on for Motor Week over forty years ago? Uh, yeah, the first, the very first car that uh, we tested was the Ford Escort. Oh, really? <laughs> and that was the world car at the time. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, it was basically a revolutionary piece of work in that Ford was essentially selling that car all over the world. It wasn't quite the same car they were selling everywhere, but it was the same name. And it was, you know, it was a five-door uh, hatchback compact, and it was a front-wheel drive, essentially the same. And that was a big deal at the time. And I can remember pretty vividly some of the shots we actually did the road test at uh, one of the airports nearby, and we were up on the top of a hangar shooting down on it, showing how everybody could crawl in and out with ease and load <laughs> luggage. So it was, uh, we didn't have a helicopter or a crane. We just had a daring camera person that climbed up on the roof of a hangar. Oh, golly. <laughs> we, we had an experience recently that gave us an idea for, for a segment, and we will throw it at you free of charge, and it's worth, okay. it's worth what it costs. We recently bought a new car, and one of the things we found out in buying this new car was there are so many electronics connected to this car that you have to be very, very careful about the battery, and we wound up getting a, a, uh, a sealed box. That we a shielded box. It's a, it's a, a sealed shielded box that we put our car keys in, so they don't communicate with, with the, the car, car and help to drain the battery. <laughs> Every day we're discovering some new, and I have to call them electronic gremlins. It's yeah. almost like some of the technology is getting ahead of everybody. I'm not surprised to hear what you said. We haven't ex- experienced the same thing. You know, a lot of the new cars, and I'm talking about internal combustion engine cars, because that's still the majority of the market, mm-hmm. no matter what we hear about EVs. Um, you know, some of those that have the automatic stop-start system, where it shuts down at a, a traffic light to save fuel and mm-hmm. then cranks back up, they actually have two batteries. And most people don't even know that, and don't even know they have to take care of this second battery, because... Often it's hidden somewhere in the car. Well, as as a matter of fact, because we're going out of town, we had to take this car back to the dealer and say, okay, what kind of a trickle charger? We had to get an approved trickle charger, and they had to show us, no, you don't connect this to the post under the hood. You have to go back under the liftgate floor, and you get have to, to your get, get to the battery. Yeah. And- yeah. <laughs> 
I want an escort. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A you world know, we have car. A lot of our viewers that ride us. First of all, a lot of our viewers, I will say, are not EV people, so they're mm-hmm. not ready for electrification, and I, uh-huh. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But they basically law, they keep writing and saying, can I buy a simple vehicle that doesn't have all of these driver assists like electronic braking, emergency braking, mm-hmm. and, and lane keep assist and all that? And I said, you know what? Even the least expensive, simplest vehicles you buy today are pretty darn complicated, even compared to just a few years ago. So now the simple car, unless you want to, go buy a golf cart and get it legalized in, in whatever state you're in. I think a golf cart's about it. Yeah. We, we have come such a far distance from the days when my dad took apart his first car so that he could learn how to fix it if he was out on the road and something happened. Right. And put it back together. You can't do that yeah. anymore. Wow. No, if a car, if you're in a car and it dies on you, you're you basically you may raise the hood and look under the hood with <laughs> bewilderment, but you might as well just get out your phone and call call a tow truck because chances are there's absolutely nothing you can do. Well, there's a lot. Unfortunately, for you. yeah, unfortunately, you're right. But on the other hand, I have to say, but I shouldn't let that lie there. The cars are so reliable today. Oh, they are. If you take decent care of them, that's probably not going to happen. And it's like, funny. Like we, do, we don't even have a, a spare tire in our car, and it's the first time. I'm not really concerned with that. Uh, and I, you, well, I, I'm kind of not happy about that myself. I mean, they give you these inflators, like mm-hmm. you probably got a little pump. And it's got some goo in it that you can, you know, hook it up to the tire, and the goo gets in there, and and uh, you know takes care of the hole. But I I miss the spare tire. They, the only reason they're doing away with it is they want to save weight. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's still plenty of nails out there waiting to puncture your tires, and I know because I run over them all the time. I don't think anybody has more tire problems than I do. <laughs> so so says my wife Cheryl. It's like she's. You know, I've gotten to the point where I actually carry an air pump with me wherever we go now. Oh That's how bad it is. You're going to be able to see John Davis next week on Channel 9 WGN-TV. And we'll be watching from Florida. We will. And uh, you're going to get all gussied up for the uh, the, the, the big black tie affair on Friday night. o'clock live. Yeah. It's the first look for charity event. Where, uh, we started a few years ago yeah. doing the show live at the event. And, uh, yeah, everyone's going to be di- decked out. And we'll look about as – I will look about as good as I possibly can be. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm not saying – Making a judgment there. It's great to talk to you, and it'll be great to see you on television, too. And uh, the next time, because I know you're in and out of Chicago a fair amount, next time you're in Chicago, can we get you in the studio? Yes. Please. I would love it. We would, too. It's great talking with you, John. Thank you, John. Take care. Take care, guys. Thanks. Bye-bye, Neil. Stay with us. More coming up at WGN. Right now, the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. You say the name Fleetwood Mac. (laughs) And most people think of uh, things like Rhiannon. Dreams. Go your own way. Mm -hmm. But way, 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 way back, there was a whole nother kind of Fleetwood Mac that was seriously into blues. And that's what you were just listening to. Fleetwood Mac in Chicago at Chess Records. And there's a new book that documents 
that session at Chess Records, and it's a gorgeous book. And we want to tell you about it because you can not only get your hands on it, but you can meet the guys who put the book together, the authors of the book. They're going to be um, up at Space in Evanston, one of our favorite places. They're going to be there next weekend, and that's on the 12th, Sunday the 12th. That's Space in Evanston. And you can go to Space's website and find out about tickets and to get there. You can get your book when you're there. You can get it signed, and you can meet these guys. And the website is Evanston space.com and this is a book that uh, that belongs in your collection if you are a music aficionado if you are a blues aficionado if you are a chess records aficionado if you like great stories if you like wonderful pictures if you want to look at pictures the, the first reaction and we haven't talked about this the first reaction that i had when i opened this book was it feels like we're in the room with them. Fly on the wall. Yep. That's what you feel like. Well, the guys who put the book together uh, are Jeff Lowenthal. Now, Jeff is a Chicago photographer and Robert Schaffner. And they've put this book together called Fleetwood Mac in Chicago. And uh, we're going to tell you a bit more about it. Uh, with us on the telephone line is Robert Schaffner, one of the two behind this gorgeous book. Robert, how are you doing tonight? Good evening. Good How evening. Are you good, good. We're for some reason we're having some problem getting a hold of Jeff. <laughs> so, yeah, so Jeff, I, I if you might have the wrong number, if you, if you can put uh, me on with your producer for a quick second, I'll give him the correct number. Okay, I'll, I'll oh, okay. I'll put you. Uh, you're off the air right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and see, this is live radio. Yes, it is. And. Uh, and and Jeff is is a local guy, born and yeah. raised in Chicago, and he's yep. got a great story too. So I'm excited to meet him. And um, uh, there's a picture of Jeff that um, it made me laugh out loud because you know it's 1960s. We were there then. The striped pants that Jeff was wearing in those, and I said that just <laughs> encompasses what we looked like in the 60s, right there. <laughs> But Robert, as I looked at this this book, it's almost a cliche to say that something was a labor of love. But boy, if this book wasn't a labor of love, then you guys faked it like crazy. This is a wonderful book. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's a long. It's fifty four years in the making. How about it? So you were really the, the the person who went to Jeff and said, you know, you've got all these great photographs. We can do something with them, right? Right, and the answer was no, no, no. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> now, wait, okay, wait, we've got Jeff, so, so I want to bring Jeff up here, too. And, Jeff, why were the initial answers no, no, no? <laughs> <laughs> the phone? <laughs> or the book? The book, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, because uh, generally producing a book is a long process, And unless you write uh, very popular murder mysteries like the one I just finished by Michael Connolly, Mm -hmm. you don't get big advances or hundreds of thousands of dollars. So they're generally a labor of love. So I wasn't quite in love with that yet, but Bob Bob, uh, continued to ask me and finally convinced me after I said, find me a publisher and Mm -hmm. I'll do it. 
And by God, he found a publisher. <laughs> well, I've got to say, one of the key things about the book is the quality of paper allows your photographs to pop right off the page. Yeah. And that's important. If they had cheaped it out, your your pictures might have suffered as a result of that. But the well, co- I mean, you, they're gorgeous. Schiffer has been just a wonderful publisher to deal with. And, of course, every uh, photographer who has a book worries how it's going to look when it's finally printed. Mm -hmm. But they did a fine job. The book was printed in India, of all places. Hmm. Well, what what was the, from, from start to finish, how long did the process of putting the book together take? I guess a little bit over a year. Would you say that's right, Bob? Yeah, about a year and a half. It took me, uh, once Jeff gave me the okay and I was trying to find publishers, it took me, oh, maybe 90 days to find a publisher. And uh, one, of the, one of the prerequisites for a publisher, because it's uh, the inception of uh, Fleetwood Mac, was making sure that, that we got international distribution. Because in 1969, most people probably don't realize that Fleetwood Mac was selling more records than the Beatles and the Rolling Stones combined. That blew me away. I, I, That's I mean, I was there then, and I, I couldn't believe it. Just like it was hard for me to believe as I was listening to the music from that session in 1969 that that was Fleetwood Mac. Because that's a right. whole different vibe. Than this, t- this takes Fleetwood Mac back, back to their blues to their roots. roots. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, speak- and that's what and that's that's what you know, that's what they started with. And um, so and and with Jeff, like most musicians, um, especially nowadays, you you don't get your due credit. Yeah. And Jeff's Jeff's had a handful of these pictures ripped off left and right, and. Um, now, and the pictures in the original Gatefold album that came out were about an inch by a half an inch. Mm-hmm. So you either needed really good eyes or a microscope. <laughs> we got a lot of ground to cover with these guys. We're talking with Jeff Lowenthal. He is the photographer that was at that session in 1969 right here in Chicago at Chess Records. A great story about how that happened. We're going to get back with that. And uh, Robert, Bob Schaffner is also with us. The book is published, as we mentioned, by Schiffer Books. And I found it at Target. Of course, it's on Amazon. You're going to be able to get it next Sunday if you come out to a Space in Evanston. But stay with us, and we'll come back with these guys right here on WG. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio are going real old school. And did, is, is it just me, or is there something about hearing the pops and cracks from vinyl that makes it even funkier? <laughs> even better, yes. I love that. That was Fleetwood Mac taking you back to 1969. January 4th, January 4th 1969. And one of our guests was there then, and he documented this session at Chess Records. He is Jeff Lowenthal, and he, along with his buddy uh, Robert Schaffner, put together this gorgeous book. And uh, it's Fleetwood Mac in Chicago. And, Jeff, if we can, uh, can we go back to 1969 as we were listening to that? Peter Green, of course, the co-founder of um, Fleetwood Mac uh, on vocals there. Were you working for Chess Records, or how was it that you came to be there on that cold January day? Well, I was a freelancer, and one of my clients was Chess Records, so I would photographed a lot of recording sessions there. And Marshall Chess called me a few days 
before this session and asked if I'd be uh, available to come and photograph a, a British band named Fleetwood Mac and some of the uh, the chess records blues men and i said sure but i had no idea who fleetwood mac was because they'd been you know big stars in britain but i hadn't heard of them and i was basically a a jazz person Mm -hmm. so i said sure and that's why i uh, showed up to do the session Mm -hmm. boy you talk about being a fly on the wall uh but it it looks like you had absolute access to everybody the pictures are wonderful but how were you able to get these incredible pictures and yet stay out of their way and not not uh, not uh, not interfere with anything that they were doing and yet get such intimate portraits? Well, thank you. Uh, I basically had a rule in photographing recording sessions, and the rule is the music comes first. So the musicians are there to produce music, and I'm there to photograph them producing the music. But in order of importance, the music comes first. So you don't do anything that's liable to interfere with that. So with having done a lot of recording sessions, you learn where you can stand and where you can kneel and when you can shoot and when you can't shoot. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite pictures of yours in the book and I'm looking at it on my computer screen right now, is the picture, and in fact, many pictures, but one in particular of Buddy Guy. Yeah. That is one cool dude. And it proves to me that he was... the color picture? uh, Yes, the color picture. And it proves to me that he Mm -hmm. was born that way because he looks so cool in this picture. But thanks to your book, Jeff and Bob, I, for the first time, actually listened to the album, and I kept waiting to to hear Buddy sing. He was there, but... Um, from your vantage point, Jeff, what was he doing? I mean, was he able to sing? Did they want him to sing? Or? Well, I, I tell you, Bob can probably explain that uh, more clearly than I can. There's an interesting story behind that, right, Bob? That, that's a, a, yes, that's a very telling thing. You're you're very astute to notice that. Mike Vernon, the producer of the session, who produced uh, the John Mayall, Focus, Fleetwood Max, so many of the great British uh, blues people didn't realize at the time, but Buddy was fighting with the chess records executives who were older gentlemen mm. and really didn't care for his raucous style. So <laughs> when Mike would ask him to take a lead or something, he was very reticent in doing that. Um, so that's the reason that Buddy really didn't take off and do a lot of the things that uh, Mike Vernon wanted him to do because he was fighting with chess records at the time. Interesting. And once and later that year, he was actually released from his contract. And I'm sure you're familiar with Buddy Guy and his first album on Vanguard Records, mm-hmm. the killer record. Yeah. Hmm. And I can understand the, the you know, elderly gentleman at chess probably didn't care for his, you know, raucous type style. Mm-hmm. Well, Steve, you you do the the elderly gentleman of, of chess records. And... Yeah, I. I uh... <laughs> now we're all elderly. We <laughs> Category now. <laughs> I, I was fortunate enough to uh, spend a little time in that studio and work with some of the people that uh, uh, that you photographed. Uh, Stu Black, uh, a, a terrific guy, a wonderful engineer, uh, and uh, and uh, Willie Dixon. Yeah, I, I love sure. some of the pictures of Willie just kind of leaning on his base. I mean, <laughs> the, the, w- Willie obviously he never got too excited about anything. But I'm real curious, Jeff. 
What was the attitude of the members of Peter Green and the members of Fleetwood Mac about getting the chance to work not only in that studio, but with these people? Well, I think it varied a little bit uh, over some of the members. Some members were really enthusiastic about doing this session, and the others were somewhat less enthusiastic. Uh, uh, John McVie, I think, was not too thrilled about doing it, but Hmm. Peter Green and Jeremy were very uh, interested in doing the session because Jeremy got to play with uh, J.T. Brown, who had played with one of his favorite blues people. Howlin' Wolf? Yeah, no, no. uh, Elmore James. Oh, Elmore James. Oh, okay. Right, So, and he was just in seventh heaven to be able to play with him. So those people were very enthusiastic. Did they do any overdubs, or did they just roll tape and whatever happened, happened? No, this is this is just roll tape with no overdubs or effects or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just the straight sound of Chess Studios. And by the way, I'm happy to hear you mention Stu Black. I go back a long way with Stu to when Stu uh, had a company called Hall Recording. Yeah, that's where I recorded with him, yeah. Right, and you knew his partner, Bill Hall. And oh, sure. Then, and I, I had photographed my first recording session at their studio. Really? Yeah, so then when, when I started working for Chess, I was happy to see Stu. Now, didn't you have a history with Newsweek magazine, though? Newsweek magazine I was freelancing for at the same time I was working for Chess, Uh and eventually I went on Newsweek staff for 10 years. So, yes, I I was affiliated with Newsweek. And and you're a Chicago guy, Northsider, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, I had to point that out because Steve is a Southsider and I'm a Northsider, so, you know, we've got this mixed marriage. Mixed marriage. (laughs) So I'm taking you on the North side. But I have talked her into being a Sox fan. That's true. I drank the Kool-Aid, right? (laughs) (laughs) So when you had, do you have, like, rooms full of of photographs now, Jeff? Uh, Well, I have have banker's boxes full of negatives, not quite rooms. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I'm. Uh, I hope in the time I have left to start sorting and printing a lot of it. There's a, just a lot of material. I have much of the material I did for Newsweek, and there are people who are n- not necessarily musicians. But uh, I, I was just thinking how I how I would describe those people. And they are celebrities or famous people, Mm -hmm. but they were interesting people and celebrities and and famous people second. People like Mies van der Rohe or uh, Nelson Algren or Saul Mm -hmm. Bellow. Yeah, I love your photo of Saul Bellow. Didn't he use that on one of his book covers, too, I think? Yes, several. Right, right. Well, we're talking with uh, photographer Jeff Lowenthal. Are you still photographing? Are you still doing anything like that? Well, I photograph my grandchildren from time to time. Good. You're not using an iPhone, are you? Are you using a real camera? Well, uh, frankly, for many of those pictures, I do use an iPhone. (laughs) Well, you know, the the quality that you can get that way uh, can be excellent. Yes, it can be. You're absolutely right. Uh, well, Jeff, just before we break, we got about 60 seconds before we have to break. Can I hold you on the, on the uh, photography geekiness for a second? What, okay. what kind of process did you use 
to go through and get these photographs that were many, many years old and make sure that they would not suffer uh, digitization and yet retain the warmth that you have in the book. A high-end professional lab called Print Lab, Uh, and they're one of the few labs uh, in the country that still has uh, a very expensive drum scanner. I think when the drum scanners came out, they cost $35,000, and they require a very skilled operator. And we had them make drum scans of the original negatives, and now we have digital files from which the book could be produced or we could have high-end prints made. Because one of the the things that, and maybe I'm using the wrong term here, but one of the things that jumps out at me is the warmth in the photographs. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't know how to explain that. You know, we had good feelings in the studio, and I was at home there. And it, one of the things we like to point out to people is, in all the photographs of this session, you see very few in which the band members interact with me. They're interacting with each other, mm-hmm. which was the idea of the photographs. Absolutely. So I, I did want to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> We're talking about the book. It's a gorgeous book called Fleetwood Mac in Chicago, and it's available through Schiffer Books. And the guys who put this book together are photographer Jeff Lowenthal and Robert Schaffner. And we'll come back with Jeff and Bob here in WGN. I just wanted to keep playing. I feel I like know. it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and as we used to say on the all-night show, you go down in the basement. Turn, turn on the blue, blue light, light. Get some greasy hamburgers. <laughs> and just get lost. Get up in, on the orange crate. Get lost in the music. You're listening to Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. And... Uh, This session from 1969 at Chess Records here in Chicago is the subject of this gorgeous book entitled Fleetwood Mac in Chicago. And the guys that put the book together, the photographer who was there then and took the pictures, Jeff Lowenthal, Chicagoan, Northsider, and uh, Robert Schaffner are going to be up at Space in Evanston next Sunday, the 12th. And doors will open at 6 o'clock. It's an all-ages get-together. And, and space is absolutely one of our favorite places. Is. is the audience going to be able to ask you some questions about the book, or, or do you know what the setup is going to be? Yeah, I we're, do. I actually, think we're yes. going to open we'll, and we'll, spend a little time uh, talking with people and answering questions. But, of course, the main thing is the music there. Mm-hmm. And we're going to sign books, I think, afterwards. Yes. Is that right, Bob? That's correct. So, and also Dave Spector is going to be playing with us as, as well as uh, Brother John. So it uh, should be a fun night. Well, pl- please tell Dave he, we said hi. He's yes. one of our favorite people. And Bob, are I'll you... Be see- I'll be seeing him tomorrow at rehearsal. I will do that. <laughs> okay, so you're a musician too, Bob. I used to be, yeah. I'm more of a uh, producer engineer. I used to do sound for bands back in my teenage years. I see. And... Um, you you knew about this session, 1969, or did did you come to oh, it? Yeah. You did. No, I, I've been a Fleetwood Mac fan since their inception in 1967. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a big British blues fan, and Danny Kerwin and Peter Green are two of my favorite guitarists. Is actually why I did the book. I was going to write a letter to Peter Green about meeting Bruce Thomas, the bass player for the Attractions and Elvis Costello. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then Peter passed away, and my son said, uh, I sh- well, I should write him a letter. Then he passed away, so then I got the idea of bugging Jeff Lowenthal to do a book. 
<laughs> Thank you. That was good. <laughs> good move on your part. I'm glad he did. Yes. <laughs> Jeff, uh, when you took the, and again, I, maybe I'm geeking out here, but uh, some of the pictures are in color, some are black and white. Uh, did you go in there saying, I'm going to do this in black and white? I mean, what what was your, or just kind of loosey-goosey, what did you do, about three rolls of well, film in color? Uh, generally, I, I shot black and white for most of the chess sessions, and I, I honestly don't remember if it was my idea or uh, the producer saying, can we get some color? Because I did have about three or four rolls of color with me. Mm-hmm. The chess studios were a little more of a challenge for color because the light was, in some cases, dim. In other cases, it was bright enough. But fluorescent lights are the ba- used to be the bane mm-hmm. of photographers because you need so much filtration mm-hmm. uh, to make the pictures look good. But I'm glad I did shoot color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so, Bob, when you contacted Jeff and said, let's, you know, pull these, because some of these pictures uh, you you had, um, you you had allowed them to be used in various ways here and there, right over the years, Jeff? Well, I I was in the business of licensing images, Mm -hmm. uh, and those pictures have had surprising uh, number of uses over the years, over the 50 years. But in the last four or five years, they became much more popular. Mick Fleetwood did a very large, very expensive book in the U.K., and I think they licensed 19 images from that session. Mm -hmm. And then there was a new biography of Peter Green that came out about six months ago, and they licensed 10 images. So uh, the, the interest in that session has just amazed me. Hmm. Uh, On Facebook, there are a number of Peter Green uh, groups, and the largest one has 13,600 members. That's just incredible to me. And they're particularly interested in that version of Fleetwood Mac, Uh Mm -hmm. one that had Peter Green, and that's only like a year and a half of their existence. Wow. With all the fascination that there is at this point in time, for that day, that session, at the time, Jeff, that you were shooting the pictures, did you know something special was going on? I knew something special was going on, but I'd have no idea what the popularity might be. And when those records were issued, I think around a year later, they were not particularly large sellers. Probably because of uh, the lack of radio airplay, possibly? Well, that that may be. And Fleetwood Mac had started to move into a, a different position. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they started uh, st- uh, the album that came out directly after Fleetwood Mac in Chicago, which is my Desert Island disc, is then playing mm-hmm. on, which was not a blues album. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they, uh, Peter Green started to, to go... Uh, away from the blues. I mean, his roots were in the blues. And then he, Danny Kerwin, unbeknownst to most people, not Lindsey Buckingham or Stevie Nicks, but Danny Kerwin, at the ripe old age of 18, mm-hmm. brought them into pop music with songs like Station Man and Tell Me All the Things You Do. Wow. And so, and that was, you know, that was in 1970, 71, 72. Yeah. You talk about unsung heroes, right? Yeah. (laughs) 
Proving again that when Danny Kerwin came over uh, in Fleetwood Mac in Chicago, he had just turned 18. Wow. Proving the timing is everything. Yeah. Yes. Mm. By the way, I I have to ask you about a a guy that uh, I was fortunate enough to to work with. And I believe, Jeff, he was a, a significant part of your early days. Uh, Franz Jackson. Yes. Uh, Franz Jackson is probably why I became a photographer of musicians. Uh, do you want me to tell you about yes. that? Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know, Franz Jackson, a brilliant jazz, uh, jazz man. But I will, Jeff, I will leave the rest of it to you. All right. I had a rather brief career as a jazz disc jockey on WNIB, which has been sold and has different uh, mm-hmm. call letters now. Mm-hmm. And I was doing my show, and I got off the air, and the owner of the station said, the owner of Replica Records, which was a company that made uh, records to show off high-fidelity equipment, and they would be played at the big audio shows, which they used to have, to demonstrate equipment. And he wanted to know if he should record Franz. Oh, I should tell you, I was interviewing him. That's an important point. I was interviewing <laughs> Franz because I'd been out to see the band he had in Stickney, Illinois, mm-hmm. at, uh, at, not, not the Hunt Club, but I've forgotten the name of the club, but I had seen the band and was just blown away by them. I mean, the trumpet player, uh, Bob Schaffner, replaced Louis Armstrong in King Oliver's band. So you know how far mm-hmm. back some of these people went. And the owner of the um, station told the, the record company owner, I don't know anything about music, but I'll have Jeff call you when he gets off the air. And I called him and said, absolutely. I don't think France has recorded in 10 or 15 years but you absolutely should record him. And then some months later, they had gotten together, and friends went out to do a, a date with him, and they invited me as a courtesy because I'd been somewhat responsible for them getting the session. And I just thought somebody ought to uh, document this. So I, I guess I bought a camera for the purpose and, and shot a couple of rolls of that uh, session. And... Uh, uh, this is a long story, but that's how I got into music photography. That's a great that's, story. As an amateur. I, I would love to see some of those pictures. And we have to break, but, but just a, a quick, uh, I'll tell you my friend's Jackson story. This was okay. late 50s, early 60s. I was in one of my first groups, and, and it was a rock group. There was a downbeat magazine Midwest Jazz Contest. And the winner of the contest was going to get to appear on WTTW back when they were still broadcasting out of the Museum of Science and Industry. Right. So our group entered the contest, and we won, I think, only because we were the only group that actually did some jazz. We played Night in Tunisia, and uh, and we won the contest. And uh, along with getting to appear on Channel 11 we got to do a concert with Franz Jackson and his All-Stars. And it was one of those moments that, to this day, still is a strong memory. It was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. He was incredible. 
Yeah, he was a very nice gentleman, and not everybody knows that he played bassoon in the Civic Symphony, in addition to playing jazz, tenor, and clarinet. (laughs) I I didn't know that. (laughs) Can you guys hang with us for just a couple more minutes? Sure. All right, we'll come right back with Jeff Lowenthal and Robert Schaffner, and they're the guys behind this gorgeous new book about Fleetwood Mac in Chicago at Chess Studios in 1969. We're talking about an extraordinary book that really belongs in your collection. Uh, the book is Fleetwood Mac in Chicago, and we're talking with Jeff Lowenthal and Robert Schaffner. And th- th- we've been playing a lot of the cuts. I could be wrong. Jeff, I'm, I'm going to defer to you on this. As we listen to a lot of the different cuts, and I've listened to the album and, and a lot of the cuts at various points, but this is one of the cuts that, to me, jumps out and says, okay, here they were all starting to groove together. They weren't just playing. There was a real serious groove going on here. Does that does that uh, sound right to you? or Yes, I, I think as the session progressed, um, everybody began to, to be playing together more. I'm sure... Uh, the, when the, the blues guys came in to meet these kids from the UK, uh, I'm sure there's a little bit of uh, questioning going on. Can these kids play, and how well do they play, and how well do they play with us? You know, we did an interview with um, Marshall Chess, mm-hmm. who was also responsible for produce, producing the session, and he said when he originally was talking with the blues people and Willie Dixon was lining them up, they had one one question, and that is, how much do we get paid? <laughs> yeah, it was just it was just a money thing for them, and I yeah. think some of them were were enthusiastic about Fleetwood Mac. I know Otis Spann, the pianist. Uh, really enjoyed their playing and enjoyed playing with them. Well, uh, Robert, uh, we've got about uh, five minutes or so left. Are, are mm-hmm. there? I, I'm turning on the blatant plug light now. Anything that we haven't <laughs> mentioned about uh, where you can get the book, where you guys are going to be, or uh, how people should send well, money a, to you, or whatever. There's a little thing that I want to talk about that you were just playing the second track on the first side called Ooh Baby. Yes. Mm-hmm. Peter Green singing. And right before that, there, there's talk back between Peter Green and Mike Vernon. Mm-hmm. And Peter Green asks if he can turn the lights out in the studio. And Mike Vernon says, I think he's coming back in. And they're talking about Jeff Lowenthal. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's cool. That's Jeff's, that's Jeff's uh, forte into the record. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's cool. Right. Yeah. Because we actually. Robert won't let me forget that. He tells that on every interview. That's so funny, that's though, because right. as we were listening to the record again today, we said, you know what? We don't have enough time. I'd love to leave some of that chatter in there. And I'm sorry we didn't know that little that tidbit. <laughs> that's well, okay. You know it for future now. That's right. Um, well, the big, the big thing coming up, and thank you for that, is February 12th at Space in Evanston with Dave Spector and Brother John and the Blues Crusaders. We're going to be playing Danny Kerwin and Peter Green Fleetwood Mac songs. And uh, there'll be a special little uh, uh, thing at the uh, in-between bands when Dave comes out. We have a special little interview that we're showing uh, with Mike Vernon. Excellent. Um, cool. So, so people there can see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also will be uh, having a, a couple up, 
coming. I don't have the dates yet. Uh, we just did a Barnes & Noble book signing in Vernon Hills, and we'll be doing another one in Skokie in the near future, as well as one in uh, Deer Park. And at, you, at the new Barnes & Noble, I'm so glad they reopened at the uh, Old Orchard Shopping Center. Yeah, beautiful two-story. Yeah, and, you know, and the, the other thing is, too, uh, uh, Steve and Johnny, I don't know if you read in the paper this week that Barnes & Noble are opening 25 new bookstores. I love this! Because, <laughs> okay, now the the book Geek Enough is going to come out. You're talking to two people that, as much as everything is available digitally, I want to hold it. I want to smell it. I want to gently go through the pages and, and just get into a, a physical book. And I'm so glad that Barnes & Noble is apparently fighting the trend and, yeah. and coming back and doing well. God bless them. In fact. Yeah, that's great. Guys, let me tell you, your book smells really good. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we sent you a specially perfumed version. Did you now? No, seriously, we opened it up and both of us, have, we, we wrote a book about Les Paul. And one of the things that we, we were adamant about was the quality of paper had to be such so that the pictures would translate. And I said, and can we also mm-hmm. make it smell good? Because it really matters when you crawl into bed. The book's got to smell good. So <laughs> you done good. You really Really did, and the book. They, w- yeah, they did it. They did a great job, and thank you for that. I, I think Jeff's picture is real pop, and I got to tell you that you both said that Jeff has been a fly on the wall, and mm-hmm. that's exactly how Marshall Chess describes Jeff Sullivan. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you he got- said that he's had a lot of photographers, and I won't use the expletives that he used <laughs> because he's a pretty animated person. <laughs> but he said he's had you know photographers wreck a, a track or yeah. an entire session. And yeah. Jeff was a fly on the wall. Yeah. Well, mm. again, you guys, thank you for doing the book. It's really wonderful. And people can see you guys next Sunday at Space in Evanston. There's going to be a book signing. There's going to be some discussion information and, and some good music, too, uh, without a doubt. And I predict that um, thanks to you guys in the book that the album is going to see a resurgence. It, it should. Yeah, the people are going to start yeah. seeking out the album, as I did in the past week. So, you know, thanks for that, too. Jeff, I have. Thank you. And I, I can tell you that we're thanking people. We want to thank you for having years us. Or so, uh, the last five years or so, the uh, the album has, because of digital formats and stuff that you were talking about earlier, yeah. has seen an upsurge in sales. And I, I'm sure I'm sure the book certainly couldn't hurt sales. Yes. Jeff, I have to ask you, uh, with your past as a disc jockey, do you ever have the urge to get back behind a microphone and expose people to the music you like? Uh, maybe <laughs> one, more, one more thing to uh, to do in my twilight years. Uh-huh. You know, I was I was playing a, a show mostly of of uh, earlier jazz forms, uh, Dixieland, as they used to call it then, mm-hmm. but into swing. And uh, I, I made some remarks about how it, my personal preference. I happen to like Roy Elridge a little more than I like Miles Davis. And the station owner said, you can't diss Miles Davis. You're through. <laughs> and that was the end of my six-month career. Oh, my You're gosh. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's the subject for a book, too, right there. Yeah, really? Right, and something worse than that, I mispronounced a word on the air, and oh. I've never forgotten it for 55 years. And the word was? 
I forget. <laughs> Good move. Well, I won't tell you. Okay. Well, again, thank you guys both. Jeff, it's a pleasure to meet you. It's an honor to meet you. And I wish we were in town next week so we could come see you on Sunday at Space in Evanston. But you're going to have a grand time. And, Robert, thank you for being the, the, the motivator to get this thing happening and, and to see it to, to the end. Thank you. Thank you so and much. Thank you for having us. You guys. Uh, th- thank you both for being here. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Take Bye-bye care. now. Be well. It really is. Uh, again, we're not just saying it because they're on with us. It's it's a heavy book, too. <laughs> it, yeah, it's a wonderful coffee table book. The pictures are gorgeous. And really, as we said at the outset, this is one of those books that you feel like you're there. Yeah, and I, I tell you, it it opened my eyes to music that I knew was out there, but I thought, well, it's probably something I wouldn't enjoy. And as a result of looking at the pictures, and in particular the picture of Buddy Guy sucked me in, yep. I went back and I started listening. I said, oh my gosh, this is really cool stuff, 1969, right here in Chicago. Well, speaking of music, we're going to bring it up to 2023 Yeah, after the news with our friends from the Empty Pocket. So stick around. The news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. I want to let it play for about the next 20 minutes. But if I did, we'd never have the chance to, to say hello to our guests. And and the more I think about it, this is a perfect follow-up to our conversation about Fleetwood Mac. It really, really is. The Empty Pockets are in the studio with us, at least two of the, the Empty, empty pockets. pockets. The him and her of the Empty Pockets. The other married couple that work together and play together all the time. They just came back from a cruise. And I got to tell you, um, Josh and Erica are with us from the Empty Pockets. I was so jealous. I've got on my phone the lineup for this cruise that you guys are on. Incredible. Because this is like my soundtrack of my life. I was like Little River Band, Dave Mason, the Zombies. Uh, What did everybody say about Little River Band? Everybody was like, don't call it Little River Band. It's LRB. LRB, baby. LRB. That's too funny. You know, us Chicagoans, Alan Parsons is on this ship with his project, and us Chicagoans is very important. Of course. Very important figure. That's the Michael Jordan theme song, current Bulls song walkout writer and producer. Isn't it thanks to little Tommy, Tommy Edwards, for starting that Tommy at the stadium? Was the one that first started doing that. Well, that guy was smart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a good song, though, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm, you were there with Al Stewart, yes, right? Yes, yes. And did I hear that Al is coming to Chicago when you guys will be opening for him and playing He with sure him? is. Yeah, that guy can't stop touring, and we love it. He's coming to City Winery, uh, I think. In May, I think. Yeah, May. May 24, yeah. something like yeah, that. Yeah, that sounds right. And that'll sell out. Oh, easily! Uh, it'll be it'll be a great time. We love the city winery. I don't I don't remember the last time he was even in Chicago. I I want to say it was like the seventies. I think I I could go see Gino Vanelli or Al Stewart, and I chose Gino Vanelli. <laughs> I'm serious. He did. He was big in 1978, yes. Mister. So was Gino Vanelli. Can't somebody find him? Where is he these days? I don't know. <laughs> well, you guys also had an anniversary. We've been married 10 years. years. Unbelievable. So before you went on your cruise, you got to get away for a little while. How long have you guys been married? 38. It just feels like 40. (laughs) (laughs) Because I will 
almost said 40. But we've been together for 40 that's years. That's awesome. Yeah, that, right. that's true. We have been together for 40 years. That little years. bag in front of you is your anniversary gift. What? No this way. One right open here? that little Valentine okay, bag. Okay, I'm going to try oh, to do it radio so friendly. And, uh, I'm noise. opening it now. Yeah. I'm taking out this thing. There's it could something in be there, a gosh. hamster. <laughs> it's not. It isn't. So. It's wrapped again. Still and, could be a hamster. And it's wrapped again. Oh, okay. Oh, it is these oh gorgeous. Are these guitar spoons? These yes. are guitar yes. spoons. Yes. Guitar spoons. How wonderful yes. is this? Because you guys. Your 10th anniversary is tin. Those are not tin, but they are but metal. They could be. I, I wish you could see my open mouth well, I face. I a picture of you. These are beauties. I love we're this. We're talking about little guitar spoons. <laughs> it's funny because we were talking about the advent of the electric guitar right. before. We came on the air, and the, that's what these are. These are awesome. Wow, <laughs> these are so you, cool. You know what they're really fun I can't believe for? you gave us a present. It's so fun to eat your ice cream with them. Yes. Because they're just, they're so cute. And that's the sound now, they make. You have to use them on your new record. I'm going yeah. to. I mean, I mean I'm gonna, we're, we're going to use them today. We're made recording okay. our new record, so we'll have yeah. to fit that in for sure. Well, I'm glad you like them. We, we were blown away when we got them. I Uh-oh. love Those these. are cool. <laughs> and they're like, you oh, guys are smart. You know what? I stand corrected. These might be bases. No. But they're awesome. Oh, they're really cool. They're amazing. And they're every color. Oh every my God. color of metal guitar. I'm like taking them out and so doing an inventory. You guys. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm really happy over here. Wow. These are really cool. You know what's weird? <laughs> I feel loved. It's, for some reason, when we got them, we had seven in the pack. I'm like, really? Why seven? Because usually it's like six would be what you'd sure. get. One's for Elvis. Interesting. One for each day of the week. That's exactly oh, right. Is that what it yes. is? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's the theory behind it. These I, are so and cool. And again, for the listener's benefit, they are, imagine a little ice cream spoon, but they are guitars. It's spectacular. And they're just so cute. I want to hang one on, like, around my neck. You've outdone yourselves. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's really fun. we got to take wow. a break, and then we'll come back, and then we're going to get some live music here in studio, yep. because Josh has his guitar with him. And uh, now that we've, you know, gifts. We've done the gift exchange. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So we've locked the doors. That's right. So stay with us here on WGN. <laughs> that would be the Empty Pockets. Josh and Erica in the studio with us. Hey, hey. Ooh, that's a good song. This album did so many great things for you guys, right? I think the last charts you were on were the blues charts. Yeah, number one on the blues charts. Big deal for an indie band like us. Yes. Yeah. Sold a ton of copies of it. We were really, really happy with that Didn't album. Didn't you bump Body Rate? We did. One time around in one of Air the charts. Eric Clapton, Bonnie Ray. That's Mavis right, Staples. Clapton is... They some of those new kids. Being some above those, those guys was weird. They know something about the blues. <laughs> That's weird. That is so cool, though. Yeah, it's been a very good calling card for us, and we just have a crazy uh, year ahead of us. We're working on a new album. We have a ton of tour dates. Yeah, it's been. Um, it's going to be great. Well, how do you find time to write music, though? Because uh, you're doing original music. I mean, is that in the middle of the night? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Really? Very much so. I've been woken up to listen to songs before. Yeah. yeah. Erica, you gotta listen to this. I'm like, come on, man. Can I you do harmony on this, honey? Sleep, yes. Yes, I can. <laughs> we yes. got a backlog now, so we're trying to, you know, be honest with ourselves of what's good and what's, well, okay. I mean, it's subjective. So. But Josh writes constantly. Like, I mean, we're, we're I'm watching TV and all of a sudden there's a guitar in his hand and he's walking away. And This guy we're, we're touring with for the last six, seven years, the enigmatic Al Stewart, mm-hmm. he said, he's the world's only true historical rocker 
he writes about history. And he sort of taught me, like, you could take any interesting, quirky story and turn it into a song. Like, I wrote a song today about uh, this crazy woman, Dolly, from 100 years ago, who kept a uh, young lover in her attic and moved twice. With kept, him. Kept the guy in her attic, <laughs> and then eventually they're caught, and, and he shot the husband. And it's a fascinating story. Wow. And uh, anything could be a song. And Dolly was free. She never She never was a... Uh, she was she never... Paid the prize. She's not, not a good person, price. but in other ways, she's kind of my hero. Like, <laughs> she's... So- <laughs> Wow. Lots of, lots of songs. We got lots of songs. <laughs> Josh, do I have to look at in our attic anytime soon? We don't have an attic. We, I know. we have a Thank attic. Goodness. Thank goodness. That wasn't right. Dolly Parton, was it? Because no. you never see her husband. Yes. No, you don't. You don't she ever. She talks about him, but you've never seen him. You know, that him. is true. I hope we don't get a cease and desist once that song gets released from. Dolly Parton. Right. You've got your guitar in hand. Assuming you're not going to do the Dolly song, it's not ready for airplay. It's not. No. What, what would you like to do for Should us? Should we do a brand new song? Should we do something brand new? Yeah. Sure. Um, do you want to do one with where every line's a pun or or the one with my grandpa's story? Let's do, let's do, let's do grandpa. My, gra- my grandpa was a highway engineer. One of the pieces of research he did is uh, deciding what color the signs are going to be on the highway. Green oh. or blue or or black and they're green and it's just the very first line but it's it's dedicated to him for we that, actually for wrote that this song about uh you know falling deeper in love in the pandemic it's called it's called make it through brand new song on next album yeah wow. nice <laughs> that nice. was awesome nice. Yes. Yay. I always love, love, love when you guys are singing together. Uh, I love you individually, but together, it's just, oof. You know, it's how we fell in love, honestly. Yeah? Yeah. And that was almost 15 years ago. So long ago, I know. yes. You were just babies. 2006 in the Buddy Holly story. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Which is crazy because you you were Buddy, mm-hmm. yeah, right? And, 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 and today is February 4th. So what are we off by one mm-hmm. day? Yesterday was yeah. the day the music died. Right. Yep. Winter dance party. I always send an email to my email list and I just happened to write it out. Like, oh my gosh, it was Buddy Holly. It was Richie Valens. Mm-hmm. It was the big bopper. And it was this guy named, I just happened to know because I named Richard Peterson, who is the pilot who doesn't get mentioned a lot right. in hmm. that group. And I had a bunch of people email me back and be like, that guy never gets mentioned. You're right. You right. did mention that it might be his fault. Well, I was and joking. I certainly hope it wasn't. It was a terrible. It was terrible weather. It was a terrible. It was a weather too. And it had you know something to do with I've it. I've seen a poster. What's really fascinating is tomorrow would be the day they were supposed to be. That whole tour was supposed to be here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yes. At uh, the Aragon Ballroom, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just how crazy is that? Yeah. You know, they were going to do another show and then the Aragon Ballroom uh, wow. tomorrow. Wow. February fifth. Do we ever tell you the story about uh, the night we had Waylon Jennings in the studio with no. us? Sounds and, amazing. And Waylon had, as you know, played bass yeah. on that last tour. And he was telling us that he was uh, touring around the Chicago area, but he'd been touring around the Midwest. And he on his fin- bus. finished a, a show, got back on his bus. He's on his bus by himself. All of a sudden, door walks uh, in the door, walks this big guy. And he's wondering what's going on here. And the guy comes up to uh, Waylon and says, I'm J.P. Richardson's son. Oh, wow. Can you tell me about my daddy? Oh, my gosh. (gasps) Yeah. Because his mother was pregnant with him, so he never knew his dad. And then didn't Waylon say, 
then as he was sitting there talking to him, he said, oh my gosh, it was like looking at a ghost. Yeah. He was so similar looking to yeah, him. Yeah, and Waylon probably almost got on that plane. He did, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. It was hard for him to talk about that, too, yeah. because, um, oh I mean, that was just a He said oh, they, they wound up sitting and talking for about two hours, just yeah. the two of them on the bus. You know what really freaks me out is, like, in the story, you know, Buddy seems so, I think he is, road-weary and, mm-hmm. and a little bit cynical about the industry. I'm 37. He was 22 years old. Mm-hmm. He was 22. He had written like 20 hit songs for himself, a bunch of other people. He he was one of the first people to put strings yeah. on a pop he record. He was just starting to go in a new direction. What was like? Think about what Tim Justin Timberlake has done since NSYNC. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what would Buddy Holly have done? Unbelievable. Uh, 22. Mm-hmm. He's yep. a huge influence on uh, McCartney. You know, so it's, he it's, he allowed. John Lennon says. He thought it was okay to wear glasses because yes. Elvis didn't wear glasses. Yeah. But Buddy Holly wore glasses, so John was like, I can like Yeah. Yep. Crazy yeah. to me. Well, and when you listen to some of those demo tapes that Buddy did that were later made into and released as really good records, yeah. he was that good. Yes. Mm-hmm. He just got it. And uh something some there's some other bands that do this well where it's like you don't need to show off at all. You don't need to get complicated musically, mm-hmm. but it's just so right straightforward and real yeah yeah, yeah. real that's the key yeah. yeah and i think people know too if it's just shtick and it's just empty mm-hmm. no heart uh, i think that's what we were talking about when we were listening to this cd when we first got the empty pocket cd mm-hmm. it was just it was just kind of like it was you guys it was yeah. just coming through loud and clear i love that thank you well josh and erica are with us we should mention the rest of the gang because you got Right. Yeah, we got Adam Belasco on the drums. He brought his baby on the cruise. Oh, that right. was fun. Yeah. And we got my old friend Nate Bellin on the bass. Mm-hmm. A great guy. They're lovely. He had a great cruise himself. And Erica says, "I've just lived with him for." <laughs> I know long these guys. Time. I know these guys very well. But I bet you they're a great. little too well, maybe. But I like. They're them. great musicians, and we share very, very close uh, philosophies. It's it's the best. Being in a band is the best. Well, the pictures are also pretty good, too, because they're yeah. like, oh, that's just begging for a balloon coming out of your mouth. You know? By the way, I love, speaking of good pictures, the pictures of you guys on the beach. Oh, yes. Wonderful For picture. your anniversary. That looked like a really nice, special anniversary. Yeah. yeah. Really Erica had to teach me how to, how to enjoy the beach. I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> Josh just wants to, like, have a guitar on all the time. And your point is? <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Am I preaching to the choir? <laughs> yeah. Johnny, we're going to go on a vacation. I'm just thinking days. adult beverages and who doesn't yeah, like, love Let's the go beach. get a pina colada <laughs> somewhere. Really? What are we doing with these guys? <laughs> but that is the fun part to me. Is, like Steve and I like having a guitar on. Yes. I mean, I appreciate that. I could just that. see you with a suntan and there's a guitar shaper on your belly. <laughs> You're lying on the sand. That sounds great. Hi. <laughs> and she's looking at me like, yeah? yeah. What's the problem? Yeah. Exactly. What yeah. is the problem? <laughs> we got to take a break. We're going to come back with the Empty Pockets. And you can follow them. They're very active on Facebook. You can get all the rundown of where they're going to be next because they're very, very busy. And we're lucky to have them in studio. So stay with us on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. But again, we're not the ones doing the singing. <laughs> This is some real talents doing the singing. <laughs> Josh and Erica from the Empty Pockets, who have been nice enough to come on in and hang out with us. And we were talking, uh, we all this stuff is going on off the air that we need to bring on the air. Yes. Uh, we got to talk about you guys recording at Abbey Road. Crazy. How cool was that? Life-altering, best day of my life. 
And uh, Erica, Erica said the same thing. And you know, we got married to each other ten years ago, and which we, was a really, really good. Day. It was day, it was number two, I would say, but number one was Happy Road <laughs> right. together. Oh, I'm a, I thought you were reversing mine. <laughs> no, no, two was our, our wedding day. Number one was Abbey Road together. Yes, <laughs> Abbey Road was the best day of my life. So you recorded the upcoming. A album a lot there. Of it Maybe we should Abbey renew Road. our vows there. At Abbey Road. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> it's uh you you walk in and there's a zillion tourists but around you, the gate. You and, recognize everything. Yeah, and I've never felt cooler ever than like a guitar opening hand, the gate. Open the gate. Everybody else is tiptoeing around and they're like, "Oh, you're trying to get a closer picture." And it's like, "No." No. And then you keep walking and open oh. the other door and they're all like, "Whoa. Who are you? Who are you?" <laughs> we we rented Studio 3 for 2 days. I worked with the band pretty hard cuz we had 3 shows in a row in London as well. So we did a, a concert on the same day as one of the recording sessions and then another session. Al Stewart came in and recorded a song. His collaborator Peter White recorded a song and we recorded eight Eight songs plus two covers. Wow. It was incredible. We recorded Oh Darling because we were like, that was a, a we were struggling because we were like, okay, we're here at Every Road. You have to do a Beatles song, right? Yeah. But then also it's like, is it so trite to do a Beatles song while we're here? And the staff was like, no, you have to do a Beatles song. <laughs> Feel free. It's a smart thing to so do. So we get to do really? the vocal. We get to the vocal of Oh Darling. And the engineer with the space busts out a Telefunken. Uh, 1959 mic with an EMI stamp on it. And he's like, this is the mic that Paul McCartney recorded O'Darlin on. Hello. Tears. And we were just like, all right, that's that's the right mic then, probably for this situation. Wow. It was amazing. I finished the vocal recording and I go back into out of the booth into the engineering space and he says, um, you want to hear it through McCartney's compressors? And I said, yeah, and he, he dials up <laughs> he dials up the oh darling effect, and it, it was magic. It so was many awesome. aspects of it. Uh, studio two is the Beatles studio. It's very large. Was open, so we just got to kind of like sit in the on the floor and look around and play the piano. It and, smells very musty in that studio because they wouldn't dare remodel. Yeah, oh. it. and they said it's it's built above like a canal, right? And so in the summer, it's there's right. a lot of actual like water vapor from the heat that like seeps up through the bottom mm-hmm. of the floor. So like the wood has gotten like that really mm-hmm. delicious mid-century basement smell. And, and basement smell. A little less famous than the Beatles, but no less cool is Studio One. Is one of the biggest film scoring studios in the world so it's all the Lord of the Rings movies got scored there a million movies got scored there and there was a full 80 piece orchestra Star Wars while we were there really and uh, Abbey Road is its own cafe and everything so we got to talk to the musicians oh yeah they call it the commissary and they serve alcohol and coffee and everything in between it was wow the best ever I highly recommend it Uh, (laughs) even if you don't sing just go (laughs) yeah you know we were watching you can't take a tour there's no tours we were watching Mary McCartney's new documentary on Disney Plus um, If These Walls Could Sing Mm -hmm. fabulous and you know, not only could, did we recognize everything firsthand, which was phenomenally cool, but the way that uh, you know Elton John and and the guys from Dark Side of the Moon and Pink Floyd, the guys from Oasis, they have the same reverence we do of this space. Mm-hmm. It was so uh, cool. I played the the Hammond that's behind them in the interview. I mean, it's it's yeah, on Dark Side it. of the Moon. It's like that's it's on crazy. Let It Be. That's the organ on Let It Be. It's incredible. It was, w- was the pendulum constantly <laughs> swinging between inspiration and intimidation? Yeah, it was like more like a playground, you know, it was it was like Disney World, you know, it was but it, 
it was very odd. We were, I think we were so tired because we were in the middle of a tour and so overwhelmed mm-hmm. that and stupid that it, we weren't, it didn't occur to us to be intimidated. You were just giddy. It, yeah. As much as we were like, let's do another song. I think I was <laughs> overwhelmed when we were setting up and it was, it, and, and they were showing us as we, as we arrived and they, they take me over to what they called piano world and there's, there's the organ, there's, Paul's piano and the roads. All three had been using Beatles recordings. And they show me on the side of both oh, the yeah. piano and the All organ. The burns. There's there's cigarette burns. Oh. Where from, the boys they don't let any old person smoke cigarettes. Only the Beatles. So the be- it's it's the Beatles would you know be put in the middle of recording and just like put it down on the side oh. while they were laying something down. And the the I mean t- I I wanted to just touch everything. It was magical. <laughs> it was mystical. I can't even. <laughs> well, the pictures were wonderful. It was I so mean, cool. It, I, my, I love the pictures of you at the organ, at the piano. It was spiritual. Yeah. That is so cool. It's I the hope Mecca. you get to do it again. It was like, you know, I don't know what, like, as a kid, I guess you'd consider making it, like, becoming mm-hmm. super rich and famous. And that's where the empty pockets, you know. That's, that that's your not, bucket list. It's not my definite. Being there, I was like, oh, we made it. What else do you yeah. want from life? Yeah. You know? <laughs> we have done it. Check all the boxes right here. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. Oh. Well, you want to sneak in a song for us? I would love to. We're going to pay great. tribute to, to Charles uh, Charles Harden, one of the best songwriters of all time. He called himself Buddy Holly. And he brought us together. <laughs> Thank you. That yeah. That was wonderful. That's how I fell in love with him, honestly. <laughs> Little ditty. The Empty Pockets. And yes, he was performing as Buddy in the play here in Chicago. And how long did it run here in Chicago? I think I did around 200 performances of Buddy Holly in Oak Park, and then Chicago, and then some on the road. Yeah. And Erica, you joined uh, after the show had been on for a while, right? I was in the original production in Oak Park, and then I was doing musical theater separately, and so I I left to do a different show while Josh continued, um, but... We, we kept singing together after that. <laughs> and then she joined the band. And then I joined the band. You yeah. played the part of the crickets. Yeah. <laughs> She's a good cricket. Delicious. <laughs> the empty pockets. <laughs> I've had crickets. They're delicious. They're not bad. They're crunchy. crunchy. It's a good form Very of protein. Very crunchy, Johnny. Yes. Very crunchy. Very good for you, too. Uh, empty pockets with us in studio. If you're going to be in Florida, they're going to be in Clearwater on the 26th of February. And then Ponta Vedra. Um, yeah, one of those. Vedra, yeah. Vedra. Vedra. I'm not good with pronunciations. With I called Stewart. it Pompano Beach or something. <laughs> no, you did it right this time. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> then Austin, Texas, and Dallas, Texas, and eventually back here in Chicago with Al Cooper at the end of May at the City Winery. They're here with us for a little bit longer, so stay with us on WGN. You're listening to The Empty Pockets. And we've got two of the members of the Empty Pockets in the studio with us. You know what, uh, Josh and Erica, we should uh, turn on the blatant plug light uh, if people want. <laughs> the album they're listening to is called Outside Spectrum. That's what it's called, and you can get it at theemptypockets.com. Yeah, we love shipping those out. We ship every single one out ourselves. You do? With our own hands. We received ours in Florida. Yes. With a handwritten label on it, too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we have all sorts of... you you got to get on the EmptyPockets.com because we have all sorts of cool stuff going on this year, including an album we recorded at Abbey Road, our number one album, Outside Spectrum. We've got lyric books, we've got prints, and a all ton kinds of, of fun stuff. A ton of tour dates, 
all over the country this year. But you also do a lot of live performing that people can tune into. So you can't get out to a concert. They can actually see you performing like on a Tuesday night. Sure. Of course, the the pandemic pushed everybody into that. Mm-hmm. But, but we've we've kept a lot of it going. We have a VIP group that we meet with. The Epic. Epic. Yeah. The Empty Pockets Insiders Club. And we meet with them on Tuesday nights. And it's... We stole that from Cheryl Crow, Tuesday Night Music Club. We switched it to Tuesdays because of uh-huh. her. And it's it's pretty spectacular. We play them our songs as we write them, and we tell them inside stories that we couldn't necessarily share all the details publicly. It is like the most fun community of people. And a, yeah. a couple you guys of our, would fit right in. You would. A couple of our Epic members were on the cruise. It was very special. Huh. Um, so great way to start the year. Yeah, we have a, we have an epic coming up in a couple of weeks. But yeah, we in the pandemic we live streamed weekly plus any other chance we could get. So there's there's lots of hours of footage you could watch mm-hmm. anywhere on we, YouTube, Facebook, wherever. And we learned how to really do it. Our studio is set up mm-hmm. multi camera. It's a pretty fancy live stream. That, I was. It's funny you should say that because I was just going to ask you guys. In a weird way, was the pandemic. A good thing for you guys as a group and as far as the way you communicate with your fans because you kind of had to reinvent the wheel a little bit it didn't feel like it at the time it just felt devastating you know? i mean epic was we, we conceived of it as a live opportunity as people it. love going backstage mm-hmm. but it forced us to uh really learn how to live stream we had done it once or twice and now we live stream all the time and it looks great and it sounds great and then I just wrote because there was so much time in the pandemic. So that's why we probably have another album coming out. So I just wrote and wrote and wrote. And then in addition, um, as musicians, so when the pandemic first hit and we couldn't really be in the same room together, as I'm right. sure you all remember. It wasn't even mm-hmm. safe for four people to be in the same right. room together. So we hardwired ourselves into separate rooms. Josh and I were in the center room. We were obviously living together. We didn't have to isolate. But our band members were isolated from us. So we, we couldn't see them. So mm-hmm. we had to listen and deeply listen to one another in order to execute and i think that made me a much better player yeah and we've just played a lot i think a lot of bands were forced you know in, to, stop. to just stop and we yeah. didn't stop we did at the all. opposite mm. yeah we doubled down well before we run out of time in this cool studio what what can you do for us what do you want to do erica should we shock it up yeah let's do this. so this is a song Ooh. i wrote and it's uh i, I think every line's a pun that. Wonderful. <laughs> That's a classic. <laughs> that is a classic. Listening closer, maybe two lines aren't puns, but the rest are puns. <laughs> we need DJs in there somehow. <laughs> Come on. Ooh, I got to fit that in there. I do like the bakers, though. <laughs> well, we do have to fit DJs <laughs> in there. Can we start a karaoke club now? <laughs> <laughs> so we can all sing our part. <laughs> that was beautiful, Erica. The way you, you hit some great notes with that, too. Well, what? you know, sometimes when we do it live with the band, I can really, like, wail it. And yeah. tonight I felt like I had to do an, uh, a little sore situation, which was fun. I like oh, that. This is very nice. It's wow. But what's the working title for that? Shocked by an electrician. It's a working <laughs> title. Okay. What would you like to call it? I'll yeah. call it whatever you want, man. <laughs> You know, that's a funny thing about titles. Like, we have instrumentals, yeah. and then mm-hmm. it's really confusing what to title them, because they could be whatever you want. Okay, how about She Got? Yeah. Ooh, Just She Got. She Got. I like She Got. I yeah. actually really do like that. That's nice. Yeah, yeah that works. It's very tantalizing. But like now we have to have a DJ in there. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm putting that. a note in. Something about okay. spun. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I like nice. that. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Something about a mic. Might be a whole new verse. 
a DJ named Mike. Um, Interesting. <laughs> we're really writing it. Like we're live. <laughs> the Empty Pockets with us in the studio right now, and they're so busy. We're so lucky that we got them in studio, because I think when I first contacted you guys, you were leaving for... Uh, we were in Michigan. We were in yes. Jamaica. We were and then on you're a cruise. Going on a cruise, I said, <laughs> yeah. "Whoa, I'm exhausted." It's just like it was Christmas yesterday. I know it was Christmas, like yesterday. And you hit the ground running. It was crazy. Yeah, it's going to be a, a good year. It is. Good. We got a lot going on. So come, come and join us in Empty Pockets Land. I, I get the feeling that the friendship with with Al has really worked into something fun for you guys yeah it's sort of surreal because you know al stewart is You're the sort cat. Of a rock rock star in his own right and is kind of a very esoteric writer and uh very specific personality we've become close friends it's wild yeah it's really really fun he he came Does he up- ever get tired of singing year of the cat no i don't think so no he gets tired of singing a song called roads to moscow which is his most popular song amongst his fans very dark very dark song Hmm. about it's like an uh, eight minute song about russia about russia and and they love it the fans of al stewart just love dark that's what they want and he doesn't want to sing that but he'll sing here the cat as many times as you want (laughs) you know the indigo girls once said about closer to find their big hit Uh, emily sayers said like it's like putting on a comfortable beat up old pair of shoes you know it's real Mm -hmm. because i've probably played year of the cat in front of an audience like 400 times Mm -hmm. and i'm not sick of it also because they love it yeah you know it's hard to be sick audience you really have to be cynical when you're playing a hit at an audience and, and they're loving it yeah you really have to be cynical to be sick of that do you think elvis was sick of it or do you think yeah. McCartney is? sadly I think Elvis was wow. and as much as I'm a huge Elvis fan I hated his Vegas versions of his oh, hits it's it up. get it over do you with. think McCartney uh, uh, is sick of it no it doesn't no, feel no, like it like it. I, I we saw him at Wrigley I think play like I want to hold your hand yeah he didn't seem no, sick. He, of he seemed no. like he's. Uh, can I hit the pause button? Can you guys hang for a couple minutes? Oh, we yeah, got a yeah. break for news. Okay. So uh, more coming up. Stay with us. News is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. That song is just one of the many reasons you need to buy the Empty Pockets album. It needs to be a part of your collection. Outside Spectrum. And we're fortunate to have the Empty Pockets, uh, two of the Empty Pockets, yes. in the studio with us. <laughs> and we've been kind of all over the map. We uh, Before the news, we were talking about uh, Elvis and the Elvis uh, Vegas years and things like that. And we've kind of... We're talking uh, about movies, about yeah. music people, and how so often you get frustrated because, as you said, Erica, if you watch it, sometimes you walk away... And, and the history's wrong. I want the real memory. Yeah. I want the real yeah. chronology. Or this is pure fake. Dream Girls, which is based on a little bit true, yeah. almost yeah. famous, that thing you do. Like, I the love Ray that. Charles, uh, that was good. I, oh, I like and that. I, don't, I've known, yeah, I can't Ray speak to the good. accuracy, but I thought, it's an older movie now, but Walk the Line was pretty sweet. It was. I don't know how accurate that is. You I know, don't think it was at all. I will say this, guys. We got the chance on the on the cruise to perform with someone from the movie That Thing You Do. Oh, yeah. Really? It was kind of meta because in the movie That Thing You Do, the bass player, who in the script, I love his name, is the bass player. They never say his name. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he joins the Marines in the movie That Thing You Do, yeah. and this guy replaces him. And Wolf he's Man. replaced by Wolfman. Correct. And, and Larry Antonio is the guy who plays Wolfman and who plays the bass on the whole album. He's like Mr. Sub. And on this ship, the bass player for Ambrosia couldn't come. So this guy replaced him and we became best friends. 
It, it was we great. had dinner together. He came and performed Sweet Home Chicago with us. I mean, we hung out with the Wolfman all night long. Yeah, it was, it was really great. <laughs> It was great. Because we decided that's one of our favorite music oh, that, movies. That, that's one of the movies that at 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, scrolling through cable, it's on, I'm there. Oh, oh me too. Mm-hmm. It's first... so important to Tom Hanks that it, the, the record label in the movie is called Playtone. Mm-hmm. That's the name of his production company. Right. You know, it's right. like... Well, we had Tom Hanks on the air what? the weekend after the movie had opened and talking to him about his love of music and oh. how he came to do this. And this was a, really, it was mm-hmm. his baby. And It was the same night we were having Dwayne, Dwayne Eddy Jeez, big Whoa. night. Uh, which was really funny because Tom Hanks was uh, was Forrest Gump, and then Dwayne Eddy comes on the radio and he says, you know, I was watching the movie Forrest Gump and had no idea they used my song oh, wow. in and the, the movie. And the scene where Forrest is running and all of a sudden Rebel Rouser is oh, playing. Yeah. And, and Dwayne Dwayne's was in like, the theater with his grandson. <gasps> and he's like... Shocked. And, and they're saying, run, Forrest, run. And it's his music playing in the background. I mean, that's a super influential cat. I mean, we were talking yeah. about Al Stewart earlier. Al credits Dwayne Eddy for why he learned to play the electric guitar. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. He, he listened to Dwayne Eddy and was do like, I got to do that. He does a joke about it. And Al says the best moment of his career is when Dwayne Eddy saw it on YouTube and emailed him. Oh. So I just think, he what a influential. We talked buddy, but Dwayne Eddy's up there, yeah. right? Like, oh, gosh, yeah. And a really, Have you guys really ever nice met guy. Dwayne? No. 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 Next time we, you go to Nashville. We, we, next to. time you go to Nashville, or next time you're on, we have to work it out where Dwayne will stay up a little late and hang Oof, out. That would be cool. He is, he's the real deal. I mean, what an icon and a legend. Well, what a sweet man. So yeah. cool. <laughs> and everybody can try to play those notes. Mm-hmm. No one can play those notes the way Dwayne Eddy does. There's something he does. And it's one fears. of those guitar players that it's about simplicity, like the British guitar player yes. Hank Marvin, or yes. you know what I mean, where it's not fanciness, it's yep. melody and tone. Yep. And uh, I mean, technique. Actually, yeah. As fancy as he played, even like Jeff Beck had an aspect of that, where it was like mm-hmm. all personality yeah. as opposed to. Mm-hmm. Let me play as fast as I can um, yeah. into your face. Yes. Dwayne Eddie, man. <laughs> you guys are the coolest. <laughs> no, we just know cool people. We got lucky. See, that's why you're in studio tonight. Love it. I think we should shut up. What do you never get to do on the radio that you'd like to do? <laughs> we, oh. You guys let us do everything I on know, the radio. I know. I know. We got to say hi to Nate. Got to say hi to Adam. Mm-hmm. And we'd love for you, to, uh, for you to all come to our live shows here in Chicago. Should we, uh, should we play a tune? Sure. Okay. Goosebumps. Look at that. Yeah. Ooh. Man, that was good. Thanks, guys. That's Ooh. an anthem. I love that song. I want to just, like, march. Yeah. <laughs> We've played it at a march. Take to the streets. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That yeah. is so good. It's one thing. I love it on CD. I love just watching you perform. Thank and you. I got some great pictures of you, too, because... Josh, you make some wonderful faces when you're playing guitar. <laughs> Fabulous oh, guitar Lord. faces. I've seen that. And it's like you don't you don't realize it. Steve, you don't do you know what I mean? Like you're a guitar player, there's this, something the instrument does to you. Yep, you go to a different place. And I look at photos and I'm like, I do not remember making that yeah. face. It inhabits your body. <laughs> How does my nose wrinkle like that? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen like a brain on an MRI and you see somebody like a brain on an MRI, do a science test, uh-huh. you know, do a math test, mm-hmm. you know, work the stock market, light up, light up, right? play any music Glitter with, explodes. with both your hands. The yeah. whole brain goes like, and I think that's why I do it all day long. <laughs> 
That's great. If you actually look at pictures of Josh live on stage, his he's playing on the absolute tiptoes of his feet. It almost looks like he's about to take flight. <laughs> I feel like it. I feel like oh, I'm just golly. floating. I love it. We're going to take a quick break, come back. We're going to let you guys go home and, 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 and take your goodies and eat them in the car. Love you guys. Home. We the love best. you. Oh, best double date in history. Yeah, indeed. Oh, Thank you, everybody, you. for listening. We're, we're the this has been guys. so much fun. Again, blatant plug. Get the album at? At TheEmptyPockets.com. That's us. Do all things Empty Pockets there. We would love to have you as part of the family. Join Epic. Yeah. Be cool like that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, guys. Can't thank you enough. Lots love of you love. Our thanks again to uh, The Empty Pockets, uh, Josh and Erica, are two of the nicest people you and could so, ever meet. And you talk about uh, talent. Just oozing. On top of talent, <laughs> yeah. on top of talent, on top of talent. Oh, man, they're good. And it's so much fun to have them in studio. And and really, what happened tonight is one of the reasons we came back to do a radio show. Yep. Because people say, well, do you miss doing the show? We said, we, what we actually miss doing is sharing the talent here in Chicago with our audience. And... Uh, Thank goodness the radio station said, you know what? That's what you did before. That's what yep. really trips your trigger. Go right ahead. And um, he, we had Annie Aiello on last week. Mm-hmm. She's a local. We have so much incredible talent in this city. It, and we've got some things planned for, for the upcoming weeks. Right. Uh, we've got CD release parties coming up. Yep. Uh, we've got more uh, surprises for you along those lines. Mm-hmm. And um, As a matter of fact, uh, we should take a second and... Uh, tell you a little bit about what's coming up for the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. next week we will not be in chicago we will be doing this show in fact uh about uh oh about this time we'll be five minutes away from starting our show and we're on the same time zone yeah. in our part of florida in the panhandle of florida and we're uh, going to take you on the road with us we're going to be uh, broadcasting from uh uh, the Panhandle of Florida from Lynn Haven, Florida, a wonderful studio. If you want to look it up, it's called Studio 812. Our friend Tom Hoots uh, runs the studio, and we have worked with Tom before uh, at a radio station we consult down there and also done some recording in his studio. And we're going to be uh, broadcasting live, and one of our special guests is going to be a New York Times bestselling author who lives in the panhandle of florida michael Mm -hmm. lister michael will be joining us uh, and uh, michael is also going to be premiering along with we'll be talking about his books and and he has a uh, a a series of books oh he's such a prolific writer that have been optioned for a possible tv series and a movie another one of his books also uh, again blows my mind the number of books that he's written we'll talk a lot about that mm-hmm. next week because i i just i have a hard time writing a letter yeah. <laughs> and he's like writing a book a week and they go right to the top of the new york times bestseller list because he's so good and two weeks from tonight we're still going to be in florida mm-hmm. with a full show yep and uh, we'll have uh, some of our, our regular guests i believe uh tom appel is going to be joining us but also we're going to be joined by a man whose name you may not know, but boy, have you heard some of the music he's been associated with. His name is Crook Stewart. He was the road manager for the Rolling Stones, for David Crosby, mm-hmm. and he's going to share some, some stories 
about uh, about Cross and uh, oh, he was the road manager for Joan Baez for Jackson uh-huh. Brown. Um, I think Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, yeah. and uh, more recently for David Crosby. And boy, he's a musician himself. Yeah, but he um, kind of set that aside so that he pick up, could be a road manager. And mm-hmm. obviously, he did such a good job. Everybody wanted him yeah. as their road manager. So he's got some great stories to tell. Yeah, that, and so we that, had some surprises that night too. Yeah, so I would be here if I were you. Oh, and let me re- uh, uh, mention that it was confirmed today that on the Saturday we returned from Florida, that's which the, will be three weeks from, from today tonight. <laughs> yes, the twenty fifth, we will have mentalist Sidney Friedman in studio with We've us. We've had a lot of people asking about yes. Sidney since he joined us at the first of the year. And Sidney's got a bunch of uh, public shows that are coming up in March he wants to tell you about, but he's going to be working some of his magic on the radio for yeah. us that night. And yeah. it's, oh, it is mind blowing. It really is. In fact, Andrew was in the building when Sidney was here when we were doing the afternoon show. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, buckle up because we're going to bring you in and he's going to work some of his magic on you. And we'll get we'll get Dan in here yep. uh, from engineering. And also, as Sydney demonstrated the last time, listeners, mm-hmm. that's what freaked me out. Yeah. He came in with a closed envelope with something written inside. I even put it up on Facebook. You can see the video. Mm-hmm. And the listener said something, and it was exactly what was written inside yeah. there. And you might say, well, of course, that was staged. No, no, we randomly chose a caller to put on the air. I have no clue how he does no. this. It scares me. I'm glad he likes us. I would not like him well, to be an enemy. He did predict that we would have a good night that night. I always say, is it going to be good? I mean, you're yeah. the guy that he has a great track record. In fact, we'll get him to talk about the Oscars because he's got like an 80% track record mm-hmm. and he doesn't even go to the movie oh the, speaking of oscars yes <laughs> the night before the oscars we are going to have my favorite movie critic mm-hmm. on with us my brother lee <laughs> he's a dang he good is, critic i mean since i was a mini 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 kid lee has been involved with movies uh you can check out his blog uh, and he uh, uh, he will write reviews of movies, uh, along with a whole lot of other right. stuff. Can you ask him to write a review about Cocaine Bear before I go see it? <laughs> cocaine Bear? Oh, yeah. Are, have you heard about this? This isn't Winnie the Pooh, is it? No. No, it's not. The, this is... Uh, Gabe, correct me. Uh, I, I don't want to give anything away, but I, I believe the premise is this bear accidentally stumbles on this bag of cocaine oh, ingests yeah. it and, yeah, the, a, it, and it, the bear freaks out in the woods and it's uh, it's, oh, a shi- oh, it's a shipment that got uh, thrown off of a plane mm-hmm. uh this bear comes across it uh ends up eating all the bricks of cocaine in the bag and then just goes on a, a homicidal rampage from there that's you know what my first thought is how did they do that? How what did is they, your first thought? Well, how did they? St- I'm thinking, <laughs> poor bear. How did they stage that? But don't you remember what was the movie? Oh, uh, help me out, guys, on this one. The movie with 
was it Clint Eastwood where he, it was him and a some animal and the animal was completely CGI through the whole movie. Oh, that wasn't um, Clint Eastwood. It was uh, Harrison Ford. Yes, Harrison Ford. Yeah. I'm sorry, you're right. And the dog in the snow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Was well, I was thinking it was that dreadful Winnie the Pooh. Uh, uh, no. Ugh. <laughs> On that happy no, note. Ma. Oh, speaking of movies coming up, we're going to tell you what is going to happen to the Renaissance Theater in Highland Park now that it's closed mm-hmm. down. It's going to reopen next week. Surprise, surprise. So stay with us here on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman. WGN Radio sitting in the balcony. On the very last row. <laughs> I'm giving you that look like, hmm. (laughs) And for anybody who doesn't know, that's Eddie Cochran. Yes. One of my favorite songs. Well, it seemed appropriate to play a song that takes us to a movie theater because we want to talk about movie theaters and one in particular. And if if you go to movies, you know that there's been, because of the pandemic, there's been a shift in how we watch movies. And as a result of a lot of people choosing to stream their movies at home, sadly, movie theaters have closed or there's rumor that they're going to close and landmark theaters in particular have closed mm-hmm. a couple of them locally one is in highland park the renaissance place in highland park it's a five theater complex and i know on facebook people were just oh what how did that happen all of a sudden it's there and now it's gone well it's coming back with a different name and a different idea behind it. And that's why we want to introduce you to Steve Sarowitz. He's the guy behind the new Wayfarer Theater in Highland Park. Steve, good evening. Thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, Steve. Good evening. How are you? Good, good. So the theater is going to be called the Wayfarer, right? It's Wayfarer Theaters, correct. What's the story behind Wayfarer, the name? So Wayfair is from the Baha'i Writings. Um, I bought into a company called Wayfair Entertainment a few years ago. And then we, uh, myself and the existing owner, uh, partnered in a new business called Wayfair Studios. The existing owner is Justin Baldoni mm-hmm. from the Jane the Virgin fame, yeah. actor mm-hmm. and director. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had gotten into movies almost accidentally. I made a movie called The Gate, Dawn of the Baha'i Faith. Mm-hmm. And Justin, who's also a Baha'i, I met him along the way. He was advising me, and he asked me to advise him on getting a million-dollar investment into Wayfair Entertainment. And I looked at it, and I had always been a a fan of Justin. I really thought he was a great guy and thought he had a lot of talent. And and I said to Justin, well, I don't really want to help you with with, with advising you on this. I'd rather become your business partner. And they asked me about a million questions, and eventually I became his business partner. Wow. And we've been, uh, we've been running this company for very, I've been a very happy business partner of Justin Baldoni for a few years now. Uh, we made the film. The very first thing we made was Clouds, oh, which was yeah. recently named one of the best movies on Disney+. On Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are currently working on some pretty big things, the biggest of which we're currently working on is the best-selling novel in the world last year, which was it's it ends with us with Colleen Hoover or written by Colleen Hoover. And this is the one uh, that Justin, he's gonna he's gonna star in it with Blake Lively. Correct. Yeah, we're oh. working on that now, and then uh, actually this week uh, we're going into production on a film with Rain Wilson called Code Three about paramedics, Rain Wilson and Little Rel. 
Mm-hmm. So, and last year uh, we did a film with Robert De Niro called uh, Inappropriate Behavior, which is, is uh, being finished up right now. How do you transition, though, from the production side of it? And it sounds like you're having a great deal of fun and success. You go from that to the commercial side of it and saying, oh, there's this theater in my town and people are, are really upset because our theater is closed. I think I'll just buy it and we'll use that. I mean, how did that happen? It didn't happen that way. Um, so we have a family office. So I, I started a company called Paylocity. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Located in Schaumburg. And, and that's the source of my, my wealth. And I've done very well. So we have a family office. My wife and I do a tremendous amount of philanthropy. We have two family well, We have a family foundation. And then I, we also have the Wayfair Foundation. And it's, it's my goal to give the great majority of my wealth away. And so we're, we're very busy doing that. We do a lot of impact investing. Uh, we've invested in several projects in Chicago and in Philadelphia that typically in, in BIPOC areas, we, we do BIPOC. We invest in a lot of nonprofits and also in impact investing where we have kind of a double bottom line. And so we have a family office and it's happened to be located in the exact same building that the theater's in. So our landlord came to us and said, would you like to take over this space? It looks like Landmark wants out. Uh, maybe you want to make it into some kind of uh, event space. Mm-hmm. So they didn't think that we wanted to keep it open as a theater. They didn't realize that we were on the other end in the production business. So for me, it was a, a great fit because I want to see how the other half lives. Mm-hmm. We're on the other side trying to sell movies to theaters. I thought it was probably a, a great opportunity for me to learn how, how the theaters think. And it's already been very valuable for me to understand the other half, even before the theaters open. Were you surprised at the reaction from people in the Highland Park area when the word got out of what you were trying to do? I wasn't shocked, but I was pleasantly surprised. You know, I, um, I'm i a very optimistic person, and I believe that if you spread love, it will catch fire, and a candle shines brightest in a, in a dark room. And Highland Park, unfortunately, you know, it's a tremendous town. I've lived here since 1996. It's a very beautiful area. We have mm-hmm. many wonderful residents. But we've been hit hard, um, not just the mass shooting. We've had three, actually, murder incidents mm-hmm. in just a span of three months over the summer. There was a, a young man, unfortunately, who murdered his parents. There was another man who was killed at the beach. And then, of course, there was the mass shooting on July 4th. In addition to that, you have COVID, you have all the natural effects uh, from COVID, which have been long-lasting in a lot of communities. And so we had all of that hitting all at once. And I think Highland Park needed some good news. And I I knew that Highland Park needed good news. I, I, I was really, really touched by the positive reaction. And I believe that in life, uh, you know, Martin Luther King said, you can't beat hate with hate. Only love can do that. Uh, darkness can't defeat darkness. Only light can do that. And so it was my idea to put a little light into the darkness rather than try to fight it with hate. Just the, the, the theater literally on the walls, uh, one of the things we're going to have on the walls is where there is love, nothing is too much trouble, hmm. and there is always time. Which, for, by the way, Justin has tattooed on his arm. Hmm. For people listening to us around the country who may not be familiar with the specifics of the Highland Park area, can you give us an idea of what the theater was and what your vision is of what 
it will become? Well, the theater is a nice theater. It's a five-screen theater. The, the three largest uh, areas uh, of uh, largest uh, theaters are uh, 200 seats, 190 seats, and 150 seats. And then there's two smaller theaters, I think, with about 35 and 30 seats. And so it's actually, it, did, it didn't need a lot of remodeling. Um, Landmark uh, really has been known as kind of an art house. Uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I used to be a customer mm-hmm. of Landmark. Um, but the problem is with all the things that are happening in Highland Park, with streaming, et cetera, it's hurt all theaters. Um, so our idea is to take this theater, which was actually showing some pretty good films for many years, but really wasn't doing a lot of marketing, and take the whole concept of a theater as a, just a place that shows films and expand it and make it a community center and work very actively with the community. So we've, we've been talking to the Chamber of Commerce, the high school, uh, libraries, everybody in the community and saying, what kind of films do you want? And we're not going to just show new films. We're going to show classic films. We're actually one of three films in the Chicago area that is uh, uh, an agreement with Disney that we can show their older films. Oh, uh, and so we're going to have access to a lot of really great films that way. We're going to have directors. Uh, we, we've been setting up the technology already that we can have directors come in uh, via Zoom. We're going to have them also come in in person. We're planning on doing a lot. Uh, the rest of this month, we're going to open on February 10th, and we're going to do a lot uh, for Black History Month. Uh, my family does a tremendous amount I would say about 80 to 90% of our philanthropy. So this year, for example, the Wayfair Foundation is going to give away nearly $20 million in grants and Julian Grace nearly $10 million. And almost the great, great majority of that goes to BIPOC uh, causes. So black and indigenous, Hispanic mm-hmm. uh, causes. It, and, and we work as partners with, with these groups. And so we're a lot of smaller groups. And so we're already doing that work. The movies really fit in. And so... For for us, it's a great opportunity to help educate our community, to help connect our community. And I was actually just talking to someone tonight. There was an event at the Baha'i Temple, uh, and I someone who's very active in, in anti-racism, uh, a friend of mine, said, hey, I want to bring our groups to the theater so there's not just a film but action after the film. And I said, absolutely. Hmm. Bring your group set up in the lobby, and we're going to make this. You know, Think of it not just as a theater, but as a place for the community to meet. You know, during COVID, we've become isolated and depressed, and, and drinking is up, alcohol abuse is up, uh, domestic abuse is up. We have lots of mental illness. We need connection. And so my idea with this is not only to have connection, but to have films and events that are a positive, to raise the spirits of the community, to, to show love and mercy and compassion and all the divine virtues. Versus a lot of times what you'll see in a theater is just things for shock value, mm-hmm. which I think make things more negative. Amen to that. Uh, we're talking with Steve Sarowitz, and he's the man behind the new Wayfarer Theater in Highland Park, formerly the Renaissance Place, the landmark theater that you probably saw some wonderful uh, art house mm-hmm. movies as well as recent uh, new films. Uh, he's got a, quite a vision for this theater, and it's going to open on Friday, a soft opening on Friday, February 10th. We'll come back in just a moment and get some more details like, is there going to be a concession at this theater? Because, I mean, what's a movie without a concession? 
Nation. And we'll also talk about the cost and all those other good things. So stay with us here on WGN. Now that's going to be stuck in the jukebox of your yeah. mind. And, uh, and aren't you seeing the, the little the dancing, dancing cups? Hot, and uh, the hot dog. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're talking with Steve Sarowitz. He's the man behind the Wayfarer Theater, the Highland Park Theater that will reopen next week as the Wayfarer Theater. And we're talking about his vision of basically creating a more hopeful world through entertainment that will be available in this theater. And then I come along, Steve, with the question of, what about concessions? Will there be concessions at the movie theater? Of course. <laughs> Every movie theater has concessions. We won't have alcohol. We, the, we let the liquor license lapse. Mm-hmm. Good. But we will have concessions. Um, we're going to have the same attitude towards concessions. We're going to try to reimagine the whole concept. And so we're going to have, first of all, we're going to uh, be very consistent. We're going to use uh, women and minority uh, suppliers wherever we can. Mm-hmm. And second of all, we're going to try to have healthy food, which is very unusual for a movie theater. We'll, yeah. we'll have, probably have some unhealthy food. We'll still have popcorn. Uh-huh. But uh, we're going to try to have as healthy as possible. Really? We're going to try to make it different than almost any theater you've ever been. Just when you when you walk in, the atmosphere you get, and, and just it's going to be much more of an event. And one thing I didn't mention we're going to do is, is starting in March, we plan on having children's programs mm-hmm. with arts and crafts and other activities special children's movies, so a whole kind of activity day for kids, uh, neighborhood kids in the theater. Wonderful. What's the ticket price going to be for, let's just say, a Friday night movie? Is the ticket price going to be what we become accustomed to, which can be, like, crazy expensive? What do you consider crazy expensive? Yeah, $18. $10 with tax, so $9 plus tax. And so yeah, so all in it'll be ten dollars. We've yeah. we've uh, lowered the prices, uh, and we're going to lower the prices on concessions as well. And it it, it sounds like you're going to have to have a huge staff of people. Have you already staffed the theater for this this vision that you have? You have a general manager, right? Clay Stamper is his name. Correct, and Clay has already hired his staff. Wow. Uh, we already have. We've already fully staffed. The staff is on board. Our staff and I believe that we're revolutionizing the theater business. So we're we're going to go at this like you know. There's some actually some really cool theaters out there. We've been doing some research, mm-hmm. but we we are really part of this next generation of theaters that's reimagining the theater business. We well, uh, have the to. way I look at it. Yeah, I mean i I've seen this. I've been in the payroll and HR businesses. As it gets reimagined, those people who have reimagined it are always the winners. And I think in this case. There's this need for community centers, and so I I'm reimagining the theater as a community center first and a theater second. Mm-hmm. I have no idea if this is a part of your plan, but I want to share with you something that Johnny and I used to love doing. There was a theater in Highland, Indiana. It was called the Town Theater. It was a locally owned theater, and they would show movies that were requested by the community but one of the things that we loved about it was as the movie was playing all of a sudden you would get to an intermission and during the intermission you would go out and, and there talk. would be you would talk there was the fresh baked goods it was just a a wonderful community experience in the theater that made the uh, the movie going experience even better 
we um, are investigating that. Apparently, intermission isn't allowed. Really? Uh, so I'm still uh, so we're, we're we're researching that right now. So yes, that's been requested already, and we're trying to figure out whether we can legally do that with our contracts with the with the movie companies. There are laws uh, against intermission. Really, <laughs> well, the, in, in the contracts, not yeah. not laws, okay. governmental laws, but mm-hmm. in the movie contracts, I, I think they don't want us stopping in the middle. Yeah. However, I'm not sure of that yet. We're still looking into that, but if we can do that, we will. Because I think that's a great idea. That would be wonderful because uh, what happens is the movie is over with and we're probably the few uh, handful of people that are watching the credits as they're rolling because everybody's got their coat on, they're darting out the door. But if you've got those few minutes in between where suddenly you're talking to the person next to you and, you know, again, it's that whole community vibe that we're going for. Well, you've Even got- if we can't do intermission, we can do things after the movies. We're yes. going to do a lot of discussion groups. We're going to put a cafe. I didn't mention this. We're going to put a cafe in the lobby, mm-hmm. and so we're going to we're going to do things that encourage interaction. We're going to have a lot of filmmakers coming in, uh, panels, etc. What and about, so we will? Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say what What about using since you have the five theaters, and I'm assuming you're keeping the five screens. Is that correct? Yes. Have you given any thought to offering like a, a live music in one of those theaters uh actually we're already talking to people about live uh performances mm-hmm. uh children's theater so we, we want to do a lot for children mm-hmm. you know, one mm-hmm. of the things that's happened in every community and, and actually i think is a part of the problem in highland park is that children aren't in fact i think it's a problem in every community that children are no longer taught virtues at a young age you know it used to be uh, i'm 57 and in my generation Religion was very important, mm-hmm. and almost you know when I by, when I went to college, almost everybody, at least in my college, was either mostly Christian, and then I was one of the minority who was Jewish, um, and then you know there was there was a small minority of atheists, and now if you talk to young people, it's really reversed, where the majority are are very either agnostic or atheistic, and most importantly, haven't had a strong religious upbringing, and what's happening is there's a, a tremendous amount of mental illness. It's it's a just exploded in high school and college. And I think that, you know, religion aside, because I, I one thing, I, as a Baha'i, would never impose religion on anybody, but the, the virtues of religion, you know, the teaching love and compassion and mercy and mm-hmm. justice at a very young age mm-hmm. is something I want to instill. And, and we're going to do that with the movies we show and discussions and, and activities around the theater to really try to, to to generate those things and really instill those in a deep level in the community from a very young age. I'm sure you've heard from any number of people who've said, but Steve, don't you know that this this whole movie thing is, you know, it's, it's a thing of, it, it's fading, it's a thing of the past, you're swimming upstream. I get the feeling you don't really care about what people say the trends are. <laughs> you know what you want to do with this theater and it's going to happen. I believe that the need is there, and you can see from the community reaction, the tremendously positive community reaction, that there's a need here. And I also fully believe, and this is just something I've, I've seen in the businesses I've done, you know, we, we've been running Wayfair for three years as a Baha'i-inspired company. I see that just the, the notes I get back from our employees, and, and over time, uh, we're still relatively new in Hollywood because mm-hmm. it takes some time to make movies. But I think over time, we're going to get a reputation as a company that's quite a bit different in Hollywood. 
And I've seen the reaction that people have once they understand that they can be in a loving environment versus a, a, a cutthroat dog-eat-dog environment. Hmm. As we add that to the community, I think we can help revitalize the entire community. I'm very confident that we can do this, and I'm very confident that we can contribute, most importantly, contribute to the betterment of the community. Thank you. I love your positive thank attitude. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's all I can say. Thank you for having me. And if we can do anything, please, please don't hesitate to reach out to us because um, it's about it's about time that yeah. we started swimming that direction. Yeah, we're, we're all in favor of swimming upstream. Yeah, absolutely, Steve. Congratulations on your vision and, and making it happen. Thank you. And again, for people who are just joining us, your soft opening is going to be when? Uh, it's going to be February 10th. We're probably about filled up on February 10th. So I would maybe not even encourage people to come. I'd say start coming on the 11th. Okay. So that, that should tell you something right right now that the theater has yeah. been empty for months. We're worried about too many people coming. We have a capacity <laughs> of 600. We think we're already over that right now. Wow. Just on the people who said they're coming. That's excellent. We're going to check back with you in a couple of months and see how things are going because you've got big plans for March. And I love your idea to bring more programming for children. I think that's that's brilliant. And, and you've got our numbers. Please use yes, them. Absolutely, Steve. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Have a wonderful night. You too. You do the same. That's Steve Sarowitz. He's the guy behind Wayfarer Theater. You knew it as the Renaissance Theater in Highland Park. Up in Highland Park. Right. And it's a beautiful building. I mean, we've driven by there uh, many times. Many years ago, we went to the movie there, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gosh. And I know a lot of folks that uh, were really sad to hear that the theater had closed down and and frankly shocked that in this short period of time it's been purchased and there's Mm -hmm. this vision. And he's, I'm, boggles my mind the number of people he had to hire to make this happen. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing. Good for him. Stay with us. We've got another hour of this show here on the radio. So stick with us and find out what the heck is going to happen. News is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Hey, hey, old bean. And you too, baby. Roses on your pillow and give them hell. wonder if anybody but me remembers that. Okay. We have a prize list. We do. The first person who can identify, there was a Chicago tie-in to that. Can I just so, can I just say that the music sounded like I was watching a Humphrey Bogart movie for a minute? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it had that kind of a feel. And that was Andrew's choice of music. So hats off to Andrew. Yeah, who was that, Andrew? That was nice. Was that it? is uh, that is actually one of my my favorite jazz song of all time. That is "Blue and Green" by Miles Davis. Mm. Oh, I'm gonna go look that up on YouTube now. But that, yeah. that that's not from the kind of blue album. That is it? from the kind of blue album. I yes, thought it sounded familiar. It is. It is it's so one of my beautiful. Favorite albums. The quality so of that good. particular oh. cut was awesome with mm. my headphones on. Okay, but uh, we got we got the prize list out three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. The first person who can tell me where the Chicago connection to what I said over that music and what I said was, "Hey, hey, old bean, and you too, baby. Roses on your pillow, and give them hell." And there was a Chicago connection yeah. to that. 
And the funny thing is, if I ask you what we did yesterday, you go, hmm, I got to think about that. But that just rolled right off your tongue mm-hmm. when the music was playing and you looked at me. And, and I, I mean, there's a real Chicago. There was a very specific Chicago connection mm-hmm. that later became a part of a big deal nationwide thing. Now you lost me. That also wow. started in Chicago. You lost me. I don't know if anybody's going to get this. And if you don't, before we get out of here, I'll tell you what it was. Please but, do. But, the, but it all ties in with Chicago. Okay. All right, Andrew, it's your job to remind him if we get to the point where we're going to wrap up the show and he hasn't, he hasn't evolved who the old bean is. And who? Old, I know who that is, but it's thanks to you mm-hmm. saying it over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Chicago tie-ins, uh, on the Stephen Johnny show page on Facebook, yeah, I posted the Silver Dollar survey with your picture on it from 1975. Actually, at that point, we didn't call them. Well, I, it's true. The Silver Dollar Show, although that's what it started out yeah. as. But we didn't call it that at that point in the that, once big 89 existence. Yeah, you're right, because it's not even on here. But I can't look at mm-hmm. it without thinking of it as being a Silver Dollar Survey. I had to laugh because uh, hundreds of people <laughs> have went, whoa, I remember that back in the days when Mandy was number one. Barry Manilow mm-hmm. for the third week in a row. Did you have to play it like every half hour? Uh, every 90 minutes. Every 90 minutes. We had mm. four clocks in the studio. Four. The clocks were set 90 minutes apart. Okay. So every time you played the number one record, you would reset the clock, and 90 minutes later... Play it again. Play it again. Number two record, same thing. Number three, same thing. Number four, same thing. Wow. So so they, they were, those, the top four were independent of the rest of the records on the, the playlist that you had. So on this week in 1975, Mandy was one. And that's probably why you start shaking when you hear Mandy, because you played it so many yep. times. By the way, uh, Facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny show and spell johnny j-o-h-n-n-i-e and while you're there we would like it if you would like the page too that's true number two was lady sticks Mm -hmm. and this would have been two years after we tried to get sticks to play at our high school and they just gotten too big for us by that time Mm -hmm. Uh, best of my love the eagles number three again that's probably why you shake when you hear the eagles because you had to play it so often please mr postman carpenters what an interesting combination though to go from Mm -hmm. sticks to the eagles to the carpenters and then donnie and marie morning side of the mountain i don't even remember that yeah i do remember that well sure you would you played it sure. every 90 minutes because it was top five and it was that for weeks on end uh you're no good linda ronstead great mm-hmm. song jethro tull uh, bungle in the jungle and I only do that because I was at college with a roommate who just got that album and played it 
over and worse than what you had to experience. It was more than every 90 <laughs> minutes. I think it was every half hour she was playing it. I never can say goodbye, uh, Gloria Gaynor. That was a good one. Laughter in the Rain, Neil Sadaka. And then Doctor's Orders wrapped up the top 10, mm-hmm. Carol Douglas. Now, was Carol Douglas a one hit? One hit wonder? Uh, well, she had a couple on the soul stations, but I think this was. I think she had one other thing that made the lower reaches of the the top one hundred, mm-hmm. but some other things that were hits on the, some of the soul stations. But she made it with top ten on mm-hmm. that one. Uh, that was a great list. It goes on and on. If you, by the way, if you if you're looking at the picture. That's and you. again, it's uh, Facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny Show. That picture on that survey <laughs> was taken, oh, and I'm trying to recall her name now. Oh, a great photographer. wonderful photographer. Um, oh, darn. Uh, It'll come to you. Yeah, Just it keep, will. keep your hard drive on search. Anyhow, that picture, and it, it's it's me, and it looks like I'm in the middle of a field. Where I was, was in the middle of the Kennedy Expressway. No, I think it was the Dan Ryan. It was the Dan Yeah, it was just where the Kennedy-Dan Ryan merged. Mm -hmm. It was in one of the medians. That had some grass. Because she said, oh, this would be a great idea. Because we we just finished. The early part of the afternoon had been spent in her studio. And she said, before we wrap this up, she said, I got this great idea. We We literally ran across... Uh, the traffic, uh, and I don't know how we ever did this, but we did, and got to the median in the middle. And you stretched out on your stomach. And mm-hmm. she 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 got down and she took this picture, and that's the picture that was yeah. that they liked and put on the survey. Well, those big pork chop sideburns. <laughs> they had a mind of their own back Yeah, they then. did. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back, see if anyone knows the answer to your trivia question. And then I have a crazy question to ask, too, because we had to break out the snacks because, frankly, we got yep. real hungry about yep. a half hour ago. So if you're breaking out the snacks, you're in good company. Stay with us here on WGN. Dang. Hmm. Nice stuff. If my roommate had played this over and over again, (laughs) I might have stayed in college. (laughs) But no, I packed my suitcase and left because I was sick of bungle in the jungle. Now, now my youth is showing here, but I have heard the song a million times in my life, but I have no idea who, 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 who put, what is the name of the band that put the song together? You have to look up. This is uh, Pick Up the Pieces by Average Average White White Band. Band. All right. Thank you. And look up. And and their follow-up was Cut the Cake. Woo! Yes. Cut the cake. Yes. Yeah. Look up Average White Band. Excellent group. That was one of those songs that when, in my years over at the Once Big 89, I, I used to crank the uh, mm-hmm. speakers up to the threshold of pain. That is such a good group. It has that kind of a James Brown funk groove yeah. going. Yeah, I agree. It's really nice. It is very funky. All right. You've got this crazy question out there, old bean. Yeah, I, I was repeating something. That someone who has a Chicago connection mm-hmm. used to say, mm-hmm. and it was, uh, now I forgot the beginning of it. Uh, the ending of it was Roses on Your Pillow and Give Them Hell, and oh, hey, hey, old bean, hey, hey, old bean, and you too, baby. Roses on Your Pillow and Give Them Hell. And you know, I looked up the, the term old bean, and you know what that means? Hmm. 
that is a friendly way of it, it saying hi to a guy. How you doing, old bean? Yeah. What I always thought it had yeah. some sort of a, a, a British origin. It probably I thought. does. Oh, you're thinking Mr. Bean. No. <laughs> I've never in but, my entire life heard another man call a man old bean. But, the, but that phrase had a... It was... There's a specific Chicago connection, and the Chicago connection went on to be a part of something yes, that had yes. a blah, 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 blah. Okay. Okay. Well, we've got some so guesses. I, I want to see if anybody has an idea, Okay. and we will pay off. So we go to uh, Mike. You think you know who and what it was? Hello, Mike. Hey, Mike. Hello, Mike. Mike going once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is Mike. Go okay. Ahead. And uh, who do you think it was, Mike? Um, this is in reference to a television series in Chicago, correct? No. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that much. I, no. I, I, nope. it, it was me, Marvin, and the M Squad, where mm. they played that. No. No. <laughs> I mean, they, they might have played that song. Uh, yes, but not said but, those but words. not say those words. Yes, yes. So... Um, but a very definite Chicago tie-in. In fact, let me lay this on you from a 219 area code. So this is All someone right. from Indiana right. chiming in here. He hosted a jazz show with Yvonne Daniels on True. WCFL in True. the 60s. Only when he used to uh, use that phrase, it was before Yvonne joined him. Oh, Back in the days when he and Yvonne were competitors, she was doing an overnight jazz show on WYNR, mm-hmm. and he was doing the overnight show and he, on CFL. Go ahead and tell us. Okay. He was Sid McCoy, mm-hmm. uh, a wonderful uh, Chicago disc jockey who, back in the early days of uh, CFL as a rock station, he was the oasis of jazz all night long, and... That was his phrase, hey, hey, old bean, and you too, baby. <laughs> and he would sign off with uh, roses on your pillow and give them hell. Now, the second part of that was yes, he became the announcer for Soul Train. And that's what this person texted in and said, uh, oh, it was right here. And, and Don Cornelius of Soul yes. Train also started in Chicago. Mm-hmm. doing the news on uh, WVON. And now you know. And Soul Train started at on uh, Channel 26 here in Chicago. It did. In fact, our former engineer used to be the engineer on mm-hmm. that show. Aubrey Mumpower. Aubrey Mumpower had some great stories to tell those days. So if you've got that uh, 219 area code number, mm-hmm. okay, then I'm going to say that person yes, in is fact, our winner. Yes, in 219, if you want to text me back with uh, how we can get you a t-shirt we'll send you one of the highly collectible official and you'll know who that is because you've got yes, their number in front of you got the number in front of me you will get a uh, an official wgn t-shirt we say official because there's some crazy scammers out there yeah. this is the real thing folks you're not going to get this on facebook no. right so if somebody says here buy your t-shirt that's that's a scam nope, 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 that's nope, a bad person nope. that's nope, trying nope, to do nope, that nope, nope. So, did you break out any snacks? That's what I'm asking. Well, I'm going to take a bite of a... In fact, if you look at the Facebook picture below the survey, (laughs) you will see that Johnny made some goodies. 
I did. I made cranberry orange muffins. And chocolate chip cookies. I'm going to... uh, We like a crunchy cookie in our house. Mm -hmm. We don't like those soft ones. (laughs) So rice flour, because everything I bake is gluten-free, rice flour will make a very Mm -hmm. crunchy cookie. In fact, we're going to start a feature here. Especially when we get to uh, full shows all the time, because, you know, we're, we're preempted over the next few weeks. We're going to start What's for Sunday Dinner? And I'm going to bring in a recipe every now and then for what one might want to make for their Sunday dinner. Mm-hmm. We need to get back to having them Sunday dinners. Okay. And what I'm going to tell you about are going to be recipes that are not real complicated, but they're comfort food, things that just you, you just want to sit around. You don't count calories. You just sit there. You talk. You have a glass of wine, some iced tea. Just chill out. Have a homemade meal. And, you know, the whole idea is you get together with mm-hmm. other people or your family. And that doesn't happen a whole lot on Sunday. Now, would it be for dinner or supper? Well, I call it Sunday supper, but... Okay. <laughs> I never understood the difference, but that's just me. Well, it's kind of like dressing and stuffing. People go, what is it? Is it dressing or is it stuffing? You know it when you're eating it. You know? (laughs) You know? (laughs) I guess guess technically it would be supper if it's in the evening. I don't know. It's Mm. food. It's breaking bread. You will be together eating good food. So I will be... uh, um, I would say probably maybe March we'll start this because yeah. we'll get to more regular full shows. And then after you give out the recipes, they will also be available on our blog. Yes. So you don't have to worry about writing anything down when we're talking about it. And in fact, if I get real crazy, I might make Her. those recipes and bring them in for everyone else to try. And Steve can watch us while we're eating it because he's going to be ugly tonight. <laughs> Oh, golly. So that that's going to start in a couple of weeks. Yes, yes. I, but I want to spend a few minutes, if we can, before we run out of time, because with the last call coming up in the next half hour, weird food combinations. And Andrew, you just said to me earlier tonight, you said, oh, that's my jam. And you don't mean literally jam, right? Uh, one of them might have jam in it, but uh, not, not what I was thinking of immediately. All right. Tell me one right off the top of your head. Uh, nacho cheese Doritos and marshmallow. What? Yeah. Come on. It was my freshman year, uh, after my freshman year of college, and I went back to Buffalo, uh, back home to Buffalo to, uh, to uh, spend the summer there. And um, I was at a bonfire with some friends, and one of my friends was just like, yo, Andrew, try this. He had a nacho cheese Dorito, marshmallow, another nacho cheese Dorito in a, in a sandwich style, and he grilled it over the the, the bonfire as a weird okay. s'more type yeah, thing yeah yeah and you know i think you know, i'd actually I'm try that it, it, it's, uh, it's never gonna hurt to try it so he's like salty thing going yeah, on. Exactly. nacho cheese doritos are good with just about anything oh yeah. you know i'm liking this because then you get the toasty marshmallow flavor too mm-hmm. exactly All and right. it was it was again it's weird but it, it was it was still worth the experience it was also funny to see the people horrified at me and my friend enjoying <laughs> this okay you, you know what i'm finding fascinating is that I've never, ever had these, 
but all of a sudden the two tastes are kind of melding, melding in, in my head, and I'm almost <laughs> tasting it. I think it'd be kind of good. That's the beauty of food. It's so very like that ratatouille moment. <laughs> yes. 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 All right. We're going to take a break. Come back. I'm going to tell you what everybody goes, ew, when they tell them what my favorite weird combo is. And I know, Steve, you're going to say I've got a, a few of them. Because oftentimes you look across the table from me and go, really? Mm-hmm. You're going to eat that? Yep. Really? Okay. Yep. And I do. Uh, it's one thirty. We still have some time here, so you're welcome to join us at 312-981-7200. But time now for News Update on WGN. So many people thought, boy, that Grover Washington Jr. guy <laughs> sounds a lot like Bill Withers. Well, that's because it was Bill Withers, Bill Withers. singing. Yep, with Grover Washington, the horn player. One of the most fun interviews I ever did was uh, Bill Withers. Mm. Yeah, this would have been uh, mid 70-ish, mm-hmm. and again, at the Once Big 89, we did a, a series called Music People, mm-hmm. and it was a um, show that was pre-taped and then put together and aired on the weekends, and I was working 10 at night till 2 in the morning, so it was in the middle of my night, but I came in to interview him, because mm-hmm. I really wanted to talk to Bill Weathers, and that morning, longtime Chicagoans will remember the name Marty Fay. Marty Fay was a... Uh, disc jockey salesman and he was doing a jazz morning show on a south suburban station wbee and i was living in the south suburbs at that time and i heard marty interview bill withers Hmm. and rather than talking to bill about his music he got into this whole thing about uh something about bill's personal life and wow. it was really uncomfortable. And the first thing I did when I got to the station, it was about noon, and Bill walked in, and he came in the studio. And before we started recording, I I said, okay, I listened to the Marty Fay thing. I'm not going there. We're talking about your music. <laughs> and I could physically see him relax. I bet. Yeah. And we had a wonderful day. He was just huh. an incredible performer. I love him. I yeah. really do. I, and I probably, that may be one of those people I'd probably not be able to interview because I'd be, I, ah, 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 so ah. much talent. Yeah. Mm. I'd be in awe. Okay. Weird and wacky food combos. Are you ready? Can I, be, before you jump into that, mm-hmm. I just started thinking about, you mentioned uh, Doritos. Mm-hmm. Yes. There are some foods that just taste good. And I, for some reason, I started thinking, okay, foods that always taste good, Doritos. Then I thought, okay, bacon. <laughs> so what about bacon and Doritos? That Ooh. could be an interesting combination. Ooh, I bet there's a bacon-flavored Dorito. I think it would be good in the moment, but I don't think you could have more than... 19. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's going to be great, but you're going to hit that wall. Yeah, yeah. You there's, no, there's no there's no decline. It's just I'm having a good time. I'm having a bad time. <laughs> That's right. And, and then you're just going to need um, a bowl of chocolate, <laughs> <laughs> something to cleanse your palate. Yeah. Okay, how about this? Grape jelly and eggs, or not? I've done something similar, so I can I can get on board with that. Yeah. I've done something similar. I can get on board with that, yeah. Grape jelly and, and eggs? eggs? Yes. How about... Well, how would the eggs be made? I, I don't know. 
Yeah. You you wouldn't want yeah. runny yolks yeah. with your grape jelly. <laughs> I don't know. I you know I shouldn't I should not shrug and and shiver because things that I like are not very exciting to other people. Uh, how about mustard on a grilled cheese sandwich? That doesn't sound really weird. It's just that people don't do it. That sounds good. I'd eat it. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. I like mustard and cheese. That's good. And. I got to tell you guys, the best way to eat a grilled cheese sandwich, and this is one of those things Steve looks at me and goes, really? The cheese has to be on the outside of the bread. Now, I've tried that, and it, it is good. Don't eat it on the inside of the bread. Seriously, Andrew, put the cheese on the outside of the bread. I believe you, but also I'm having a hard time believing you. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> Try if, it. If you use cheddar cheese, because cheddar cheese has enough yeah. oil in it, you put your cheddar cheese in your skillet. And as it starts to get soft, you slap the bread on top of it. Then you, it'll get firm enough that you mm-hmm. can slip it over, put another piece of cheddar cheese. Now, you've got cheese, only one piece of bread. We're talking a diet grilled cheese sandwich. One piece of bread, yep. cheese on two sides. Wait, you just made a reverse grilled cheese. So not, not yes. so cheese, yes. instead of cheese in the middle, two breads. Yes. Cheese. Mm-hmm. But only one piece of bread. Okay, now I'm on board again. I'm yeah, on board wait. again. I get it. you got to cut it into squares. Squares. I use my, I'm demonstrating my kitchen scissors, right? You cut it into squares. Then you float the squares in your tomato soup. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I can, I can see so that. It's so good. It's because you're not... All We're the, not hungry or anything, are oh, we? Oh, man. Okay. Now, my favorite weird combo. Hot pepper jelly. I live for hot pepper jelly. I love hot pepper jelly. That's... I never you used have, to dance under that name, I didn't did. you? Uh, I never have to worry about you <laughs> stealing my hot pepper jelly. <laughs> no way. <laughs> It'll be a chapter in the book. <laughs> there are no pictures of me as hot pepper jelly. <laughs> I'm saving your contact is that now. <laughs> hot pepper jelly on peanut butter on a rice cake. Ooh wee. Hot pepper jelly, peanut butter, rice. Gotta put cake. your peanut butter first. And then pile the hot pepper yeah. jelly on top of that. Hmm. And that's kind of your a little sweet and but I mean I like hot pepper jelly like red pepper jelly where there's red pepper pieces all Ooh, the way through it. Oh, it's so good. Try it with peanut butter. If you don't have rice cakes, just a plain old cracker will do. Okay. Well, speaking mm. of peanut butter, one of my all time <laughs> favorite things that used to drive Johnny nuts. It still does because the smoke detector goes off. It does. What I call Cajun rye toast. <laughs> You take rye bread and you burn, burn it. it. It smokes. And then the slather it off. with peanut butter. And then when oh, he's eating it, yes. time out. Yes. As I have said for almost 40 years, when you're eating it, it's like sitting across from someone sucking a charcoal briquette. Because yeah. you have black crumbs yeah. on your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> on your face but it tastes so good did you just call a burnt piece of toast cajun, cajun. yeah <laughs> that's, yes. where that's what loses me it's, it's cajun rye bread that that's cajun. what i call it what i got i made some blackened toast <laughs> and you really love it I, oh yeah i told you from day one it's it's it has to be like a uh an iron deficiency because seriously it probably is. 
You're I'm cool. deficient in many things. You're Iron right. is only the tip of the iceberg. I had a cousin that ate dirt. and <laughs> Sorry. Now, dirt with or without peanut butter? No, she ate dirt. After it rained, this is sad, she had this overwhelming desire to go outside and scoop wet dirt up, not mud, and she would eat it. And it, it that is a full blown deficiency. Yeah. That's it. Uh, I think it's called pica. You're close. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it starts with like a P. That. Yeah. Uh, but if you've read about it and you say ha ha ha, no, no, this was really. <laughs> 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 Sorry. I read about it. I said ha ha ha. You've offended all the Cajuns in the Now you got to upset the people who eat Not dirt. Offended. I, 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 I love this. This is a positive thing. No, it's not. Oh, well, in my... It's burned. Yeah. It sets the smoke alarm off. Yeah. The other day, the fire department called. I, I got that from... There, remember the Black Hawk restaurant? Yes. I used to, used to order... Be here. Right on the Chicago I River. Ordered the, I, I would always get the blackened redfish. And I used to get their, their blackened chicken. Chicken, right. So that's and where I got this from. And they call it That's where I, I, so I took the, don't, blame the Black Hawk restaurant. Don't blame me. It wasn't the Black Hawk. It wasn't. It was. Uh, it was Don Roth's. Don, oh, yeah. Don Roth's okay, Black Hawk. Right. Never mind. No, you can be right once tonight. <laughs> But not about the toast. Never about the toast. Never about the toast. Thank you. All right. How about horseradish cheddar from Mariano's? Too hot for me, but I like a dollop of it with grape jelly. Mmm. Okay. Mm. Apparently, there were other jelly egg people out there, too. Of course, I'm a ketchup egg person, and that kind of grosses people out. Uh, the jelly egg people. It sounds like something out of a Flash Gordon movie. <laughs> it's a sequel to The Blob. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the jelly egg <laughs> <laughs> That's the name you danced under, <laughs> Jelly Egg. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we got the last call coming up, and people are going to say, "Cut her off right now!" Cause... Yeah, I think so. Okay, last call. Uh, the the <laughs> my makeup is running. Hey, I know you hate that when that happens to you. Yeah, I know. Uh-huh. And mine just started to run. Uh, Okay, uh, last call. Give us a call, uh, 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. And Andrew will uh, uh, take a couple calls, and then we'll pick a number, and that then person will, will be, be the our last, last call, caller. and that uh, that person will win some goodies. Yes. Uh, so if you want to try to get in to be the last call <clears throat> and win some goodies, mm-hmm. 312-981-7200. Cajun Rye Toast. We'll take a break and we'll come right back with our last call for this Sunday morning. Yep. Time to go home. Time to go home. Yep. Oh, don't do that. I'll be asleep before we get to the expressway. (laughs) Do not do that. And I'll be driving, which is not a good thing. 
I mean, I, I'm a good driver, I, but not sleeping when I'm driving. Uh, Pica, P-I-C-A is the name of the malady that um, compulsively causes one to eat dirt. And a listener from an 815 area coast says, didn't Orion Samuelson as a kid eat dirt from his family farm? I think you may be right. I don't remember that story. I'm not positive. I, I have a vague memory. Yeah. Of that. Isn't that a weird thing for someone at, at 10 minutes to 2 in the morning to be thinking about? And they get up and, bless your heart, you got your phone and you texted me at mm-hmm. 312-981-7200. But a bunch of people called because they wanted to be the last caller. And we are choosing, um, what number are we going to go with? I think we're going to go with number one. We're going to go with one. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. And that would be uh, Michelle. Oh. Ooh, ha, like you just ha. got goose. You caught me. How are you guys? Good, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what did we I catch you doing? So I know it's a question. What am I doing? Yeah, what did we catch you doing? Oh, well, I've cleaned, I'm kind of messy, and I'm cleaning out a really messy corner of my kitchen, mm-hmm. and I, I found a pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't remember buying a pineapple. So oh. I don't know. Maybe my town has reverse pineapple themes. I don't know. I found a pineapple. <laughs> That's odd. It wasn't like horribly degraded. It was just sitting there and, yeah. you know. Just thought, oh, just well. average degraded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, a, you know what? It's a good thing you found it now and it didn't end up in your sock drawer or something. Yeah, true. <laughs> it, was, it was so bizarre. I saw this like little, like this, you know, spiny top thing looking at me. Yeah. I said, what is was it was winking? It you know? No, it was just, just the little fronds were there, and it, I'm, I, it was a pineapple. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, it was, so that was my night. <laughs> <laughs> Had a good night. Okay. Yes. Um. Looking at you guys from the start, it's, I, I have to say, I think I even texted you. I was dying laughing when you came on and you're introducing everybody. It's like somebody introducing the band. It was great. <laughs> well, we feel that it is important for the listeners to know that we have a full staff here. Yep. That we have someone who just keeps the, the, the place plugged in. That's Dan's job. Yeah. Is to watch that big plug all night long. And then yep. more, <laughs> more importantly, we feel that we should talk about something that positive, something that happened positive to us mm-hmm. over the past week. And I'm oh, always curious cute. to find out if anybody had anything positive happen to them. Them, so and of course, uh, as we said from day one, if something serious breaks out and we need to go there, that's what we'll yeah, do. But we'll for the there. most part, we're just chilling out on a Saturday night into a Sunday morning. Yep, it's been wonderful. I'm I'm so glad you guys are back. Oh, well, thank oh, you well, so thank much. You. Thank you. Thank and you. now you're yeah, you're yeah. going to get to wear a retro WGN T-shirt. Woo-hoo. Yes, the official T-shirt of. WGN. I want to see a picture of you in the T-shirt holding up your pineapple. <laughs> hey, hey! <laughs> I know. That's, that's extra. <laughs> it's been called many things, but not a pineapple. <laughs> yeah. Okay, talking about weird food combos. There's got to be a weird food combo in your life. Well, I was I was not I was nauseated to listen to yours. Oh come on! I mean, all of you guys, it was bad. Please. That, yeah, the, oh you, you and, No, I'm sure I've got some. I kind of used to like mayonnaise on grilled cheese. Well, and now that's kind of a thing. You put it on the outside instead of butter on the outside. But I'm telling you, girl, make your reverse grilled cheese. Cheese on I, the outside, even, bread on the inside. 
I heard you doing it, and how does it not stick to the pan? Cheddar cheese will not stick to the pan. There's just enough oil um, in the cheddar cheese. You'll just see it'll kind of the oil will ooze out around the side of it, and it, and it, and it really is. Good. It's a little crunchy. Oh, it's so good. But it's good. I think that's what we're gonna well, have. I, I like yeah, crunchy cheese. Is good. So it's like cheese, and then two pieces of empty bread, and then cheese. No, not two pieces. One piece of bread. One piece of bread. Oh, it's oh, two oh, pieces okay. of cheese. So it's reverse. This is the diet version. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the low carb version. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The keto version. Sure. Yeah, that's keto right. Be two pieces of cheese. <laughs> Do you remember the Atkins sure. diet when they used to say, "Eat all the steak and all the cheese and all the sour cream and all the butter that you want"? Mm-hmm. And then doctors right. were saying, "But what about your heart? What about your heart? Oh no, yeah, you're going to lose weight." Yeah. Their cholesterol levels were so high; they're all dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, hey, hey, they died happy. Oh yeah, I guess. Yeah, happy as you can be with clogged arteries. <laughs> I, I, um, Steve, the 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 burnt rye toast, Cajun that, rye that toast, was, Cajun. That was I like rye, but I can't imagine it burnt. Oh, you got to try this. Oh, it's so good. Just so don't, good. and then you just slather it with peanut butter. What is yep. the peanut butter of choice? Well, it, it used to be Jif, mm-hmm. but now we have segued away from peanut butter with all kinds of additives, like and sugar, we've, and we've gone to Smucker's peanut butter, which Natural. I really, really like. Which you store upside down so that when you open it, you don't have to know. stir it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, this 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 show has reached a new bottom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talking about peanut oil. Oh, no. No. I tell you, there are going to be people burning their toast today, and don't blame me. It is not good. Blame me, because it's fun. It's not It's delicious. And you know what? And and I want to see pictures of of people smiling with their their (laughs) burned toast teeth. teeth. I actually do have something that was kind of weird, and it drove my brother insane. Um, I, I love blue cheese. Roquefort love blue cheese. Uh-huh. And I taught my sister-in-law, she loves it too, and I taught her to just melt it on Melba toast. It's fantastic. No. You melt it to the point of almost no return. So because I, blue, I, cheese, I like blue cheese is like a smelly socks. It's like a gym bag. Okay, there you go. Yeah. And, but I, I absolutely love it. My sister-in-law loved it. Well, I get this phone call from my brother a couple of weeks after I taught her how to do this. <laughs> this is my brother. I'm going to have to paraphrase. My effing wife is microwaving <laughs> effing blue cheese, and the whole house is staring at me every other word. See? Was like blue cheese. It was great. Oh, golly. It's so funny. Hang on for a second, Michelle. We're going to get information. We're going to get the info yeah, on you, woman. Yeah, we're going to find and out about your... You are not only going to get a t-shirt, you're getting a desktop weather station from American Weathermakers Heating, oh, Cooling, and Plumbing. Fantastic. The 60-Minute Men. Visit AmericanWeathermakers.com and you will have your very own weather station right there in oh, your house. Oh, that's wonderful. Thanks, thank thank you, you, guys. And can I have a pineapple? No, you've got that already, honey. You found <laughs> that. I, w- I want to see the picture. You found that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Hold on. We'll get all your personal um, info. Yes. We'll send the, the, the people out there. <sighs> Thank you to those who've uh, texted tonight. Uh, I really appreciate 312-981-7200. So glad you're back on WGN. Hopefully you will always be on Saturday night. Love your shows. We will be back next Saturday night. Shorter show. Blackhawks yes. are playing late. In fact, uh, again, if you missed what we said earlier, uh, we're taking the show on the road mm-hmm. next week. Uh, we are we're heading home. Uh, in fact, by the time the two o'clock news starts, we're going to be heading out of here because we got an early morning flight. We're uh, heading down to the Panhandle, Panama City Beach, 
And we're taking you guys on the road with us. So next week, our showtime start will be 12.30. Right. And we'll be broadcasting live from a wonderful studio, Studio 812. If you want to look it up, it's in Lynn Haven, Florida. It's a terrific little place. And our uh, one of our special guests is going to be uh, New York Times bestselling author Michael Lister, who is a uh, resident of the Panhandle. Mm-hmm. He'll tell us all about Weewahitchka, Florida. That's where he was born and raised and still lives there. And that's the town that was featured in the movie Uli's Gold, mm-hmm. the movie with uh, Peter Fonda. Yeah. Because they have a honey there that you can get nowhere else in the world, Tupelo honey. Tupelo honey. Oh, mm-hmm. and it's so, so good. He'll, he'll have some great stories about, um, well, he's a, he's a terrific writer. So the next two weeks, we're going to be... Uh, uh, broadcasting from a remote location, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, two weeks from today, we'll have a full show, and right. we'll have, uh, let's see, Tom Appel will be joining us. We'll talk about the Chicago Auto Show, because it's going to be the last weekend of the Chicago Auto Show. Mm-hmm. We'll also introduce you to Crook Stewart, who was David Crosby's tour manager, tour manager for the Rolling Stones, uh, for um, Joan Baez, Joan Baez and, and, and a bunch of people. So mm-hmm. some interesting stories from, from the road. And, and some surprises uh, that night, since it's a full yeah. five-hour show. And then the following week, when we're back in town, it will be a real short show, but we're going to have a super guest in here, uh, mentalist Sidney Friedman will be here. He will freak you out. You better be here. You don't want to miss it, because it's wonderful. Our thanks to the uh, assembled multitude, uh, Ron Brown, Gabe uh, Salgado, Andrew Harris, and Dan Long. Mm -hmm. And uh, most importantly, our thanks to you for hanging out with us. And uh, we'll see you next week from Florida.